podcast this week, we roll three 20-sided dice and talk to pretty much every member of the cast of Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Not kidding. Chris Pine, Hugh Grant, Michelle Rodriguez, Reggie Sean Page, Justice Smith, Sophia Lillis, the whole gang, and a dragon probably as well. Plus, we get a visit in the studio. He's looking at me right now. It's unnerving. From John Wick Chapter 4's most notorious killer, Scott Atkins. Uh, all that, plus the usual news and nonsense on the movie podcast that has learned one valuable lesson. Never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, play poker with Scott Atkins. Isn't that right, Scott Atkins? Ah, Zikela. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you will lose because I will cheat. You will cheat. Five, I mean, I don't want to give too much away about John Wick Chapter 4. Um, I'm Chris Hewitt. Welcome to the Emperor Podcast, by the way. But uh, <laughs> you do cheat pretty, pretty horrendously in that film. Five cards at the end of the hand. I mean, I'm calling bullshit, but you know. I reckon it was uh, Donnie's character that was cheating. How did he do that? He's blind. <laughs> he is. He is. We'll get into it in a second. But uh, yes, the welcome to the Emperor podcast. This week we're joined. I'm joined by three colleagues of such lethal cunning. Scott Atkins, the great Scott Atkins, is temporarily a colleague of such lethal cunning this week. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, and of course, Helen O'Hara, our yeah, geek queen, less is here. Lethal, if we're honest, slightly less lethal. Um, James might bore us all to death. A great big fucking nerd, James Dyer, is I'm, also I'd, here. I'd just be happy to get out alive because I have a kind of slightly Russian henchman esque demeanor. I think my look, so I'm just a little concerned I might end up you and me both. Well, true, <laughs> that's true. Maybe we'd be colleagues. We wouldn't be at odds yeah. at all. Please Done that a few me. times. You can back me up. Uh, so, Scott, you can currently be seen, although not really, in John Wick Chapter yeah. Four, because you have you have chosen you and Chaz Tehelski have chosen to hide your face. Well, it was his idea, really. Was it? If I had it my way, <laughs> it wouldn't have been anywhere near as cool. What happened there? Well, as Killer Harkin. Yes, Killer. Um, <laughs> well, I've known Chad going way back. I actually can't remember. I was thinking about this. I can't remember the first time I met him. But I remember when he would have first seen me because J.J. Perry, who directed uh, Day Shift, which mm-hmm. I was in as well, he was the fight coordinator for a film I did called Undisputed 2 back mm-hmm. in 2004. Mm-hmm. Wow. And they screened it in L.A. and I wasn't there because I'm English and they didn't invite me out. <laughs> but they screened it. I remember that Chad told me he was at that screening. So he would have seen me going way back, all the, all the way back to then. And uh, I remember going to 8711 around 2010 to audition for Snake Eyes. And it was at 8711, and there were, there were a few people auditioning for the role. One of them, of course, was Ray Park. Right. Yeah. Uh, there was me, and there was Gary Daniels, and wow. there was David Leach, who's no. the dire- director mm. of Bullet Train. And obviously Ray got the part, but it's all right, because he got him into Accident Man and kicked shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I, that, that's the first time I remember meeting Chad, but I may have met him before. But anyway, long story short. No, 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 that's, that's fine. Because you know, when you were beating Seven Bells at a Ray Park then, an accident man, were you thinking, fuck you, this is payback for Snake Eyes? That's, that's why I gave him the role. <laughs> so I could kick the shit out of him. That's amazing. And luckily for me, Michael Joy White just allowed me to do that. <laughs> but anyway, I digress. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've been bugging Chad since John Wick 1. Come on, Chad. Give me a roll. There's loads of action guys in that. Give yeah, me a roll, you, you must have been watching everybody and the world and his wife beating the living shit out of John Wick or having the oh living shit beaten out of them by John Wick. By the Wick. time we got to John Wick 3 and Mark Dacascos was in, I was like, what the hell is going on here? Come on. Just give me a roll. And he was a late replacement for somebody, Mark Dacascos. I think it was Sonata, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. He yeah, had, yeah, yeah. Um, he did his Achilles tendon and they right. sent him home and then Mark got the call. Right. 
Uh, but anyway, he, he phones me up and he says, Scott, do you want to be in John Wick 4? And I'm like, yeah, I've been telling you since the first one. <laughs> he goes, okay, great. But I'm just going to have to talk you through what I want to do because <laughs> it good news might not be what you're expecting. <laughs> I, I said, well, that's a bit weird. Okay. But then he didn't tell me for three months. And I'm thinking, well, am I going to be in the film or not? Eventually he calls me up and says, okay, this is what the part is. Do you remember the first time you saw Enter the Dragon and Sammo Hung started doing backflips? <laughs> That's what I want for this character. <laughs> and I was still confused. <laughs> and uh, it became apparent that he had this wild, crazy idea to put me in a, a fat suit with prosthetics and a different accent and the teeth uh -huh. and all that goes with it. And there was an initial sting of, oh shit, I'm going to be in John Wick 4 and nobody's going to know it's me, which was quickly replaced with, yeah, no, this, I'm really excited about this because it was a great opportunity to create a showy character yeah. and show what I can do as an actor. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I don't know what Chad saw in me that made him realize that I'd be able to pull it off. Well, I do really, because <laughs> I did it with Boyka, really. I mean, that, that was a completely different character to any, you know, to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess he figured that I could pull it off and, you know, didn't give me that much, that many par parameters, to be honest. He just sort of let me get on with it and that's what we came up with. Killer. I mean, you you do a roundhouse head kick in a flat <laughs> in a fat suit, which is extraordinary, quite frankly. To be honest, it was easier than you might think. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. The suit wasn't that heavy when I first put it on. Yeah. But then by the time you get to the end of the mm. day, it was. And if you're in the rain in an underground German club with techno oh, no. music on. Yeah, it's a good job there was no really water got heavy. So. Um, but the hardest thing that I had to do in that movie, I think, not to give too much away. Yeah. This isn't a spoiler special, Scott. Okay. All right. But it's okay. Okay. I realized how good I am when I had to react to getting punched in the face without blinking. And that's when I thought to myself, God, I'm good. Because <laughs> that was not easy. Uh, that James, is a particular to, skill. Do you want to demonstrate? <laughs> Helen, hold James down. Scott's oh, going like to punch James in the face. I'll try to blink. <laughs> it's not Let's easy, see I, I might because your your instinct, right? It's when something comes towards your face, you, you mm. blink, right? So how do you train yourself to to do that? Well, Arnie no trained training. himself not to blink. No, I just had to do it, right? And I realised, oh, actually, I can do this. <laughs> and I was pretty. That's the thing that impressed me the most. <laughs> Does that go on your CV immediately? That's definitely going to be on the showreel. <laughs> Is that true of guns as well? That you want to blink when you fire a gun? I remember yeah, interviewing definitely. Kate Beckinsale for Underworld many many years ago, and she was saying one of the things she loved about the fact that she got to wear sunglasses she couldn't not blink every time she fired the gun. Yeah, that's that's a skill. In my early days, Just it, it, was a, it was a mess. Open. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't read well on podcasts, so I'm squid to my face. <laughs> but that's the thing, that's what I was saying. My Arnie taught himself for the, the for the first Terminator not to blink. He went out and fired hundreds upon hundreds of rounds. Because he's a robot. Because he's a robot. Yeah. See, yeah, people right. say he can't act, and he was yeah. taking it seriously, right? Was that off. what he was doing in Predator, practicing? When they're firing into the yes, James. He also invented the time machine. Yes, to did go back and be years. I am aware. I am aware. But the joke doesn't work if I stick to the chronology. I mean, it so. barely worked as it is. That's fair. That's fair. So, what was the most uncomfortable part of it? Were the teeth bad? I feel like the teeth would be annoying. The grill. The grill. Um, yeah. The teeth were uncomfortable when I did ADR, like <laughs> twelve months later, and I got them in the post, and I've got to pop them in. I'm thinking, where have these been? <laughs> and uh, they didn't fit as well. <laughs> Actually, something, something funny happened. There was, uh, oh, it's not a spoiler thing, is it? Right. No, if no. you haven't seen John Wick Chapter 4, skip the next three minutes. 
<laughs> there you go. They've been warned. That's how we do it here, Scott. I run a tight ship. Okay. <laughs> if you it. haven't seen it by now, what is wrong with you? Yeah, yeah. what the fuck is wrong with you? It's uh, that much money. I figured you would have seen it already. <laughs> Several times. <laughs> they, they were going to see Shazam 2 instead. It was the whole thing. Anyway, I'll say it. Maybe you can cut it out. All right. Reeves has to pull a tooth out. Mm-hmm. So I've got these fake teeth in and a fake tooth. And on the first take, he puts his hand in. And he clasps down on my lip really hard. <laughs> and Keanu's a lovely guy. Obviously, he didn't mean to do it, but he did. And it really hurt. So for take number two, <laughs> I sort of cotton-mouthed like this to get my lips out of the way. <laughs> and he takes my tooth out. And then Chad goes, Scott, come over here. And I'm like, oh, God, he's going to have a go at me now. He goes, look at the monitor. And, and you can see that, that face I've got when, when he's taking my t- teeth out. And he goes... Whatever it is you just did, do it again. <laughs> and that's why when you see the, the movie, yeah. there's that weird thing going on. It's because I didn't want my lips to hurt anymore, Reeves. <laughs> it, but it kind of works. Though, it for does. The it just it looks really funny did work, and, yeah. And, yeah. and weird and it just fit the moment. And so I looked proper dead. Very dead. Spoiler. Can we, can we talk about Right Said Fred? Start listening please. again. <laughs> Right Let's talk about Right Said Friend. So, yeah. not their politics, but their <laughs> <laughs> politics. We don't have time. Specifically, the song. So, you are obviously too sexy for the internet, as was demonstrated when this went out on social media. Uh, how did this come about? Just to, just to explain, this is a, a video of you on set yeah. of John Wick dancing around. Sexy to, dancing. I'm too sexy. Sexy dancing. Yeah. So, I tweeted that, and then I got a little bit nervous thinking, <laughs> oh, is it too soon? <laughs> Am I going to get? Am I going to get a phone call saying take that down right now? <laughs> but luckily, they were all retweeting it, so I think I was okay. Yeah, you're fine. Uh, that was Killer Celebration. Oh, it's a kind of rap. Which party. Is, it's like up there with Tom Cruise's dancing <laughs> at the end credits of Tropic yes. Thunder. That's what I was hoping. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. But no, I'm, I'm giving it a celebratory jig in uh, celebration of the uh, the opening weekend box office, it's which a- I actually did 16 months previous or whenever it was. <laughs> that's right yeah like james you yeah, were able to bend time the to your will time yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah uh so scott the movie made something like 72 73 million a, a franchise record um how much of that makes its way into your pocket uh, i presume the way you bounced in here a fat tax of benjamins it's it's quite it's yeah. quite a lot <laughs> I'll, I'll just see what comes through the post shall i i'll be waiting no not a fat lot oh come on man come on you get your own poster, for fuck's sake. Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe it'll get me another movie. <laughs> Leave it at that. Grab Reeves, turn him upside down, shake him. Reeves, you hear what I'm saying? That Reeves. Yeah. Like, we're all, he's Keanu usually, but, you know, I'm on Scott's side here. Yeah. Grab Reeves. Reeves. Yeah. Turn him upside down, shake the, those coins out of him. That's what I'm, that's what I'm recommending. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's got a fair few as well. <laughs> yes. But no, he's a lovely guy. He really is. He lives up to his reputation. Yeah, nicest guy in Hollywood, and he does I'm like, pretty much everything himself as well. Like, all his own stunts, and he does. He has to. It's it's incredible. Yeah, like you'll see him walking in at the beginning of the day, limping, pain in pain. It is not easy. They had a saying on the set actually: "Wick is pain," <laughs> because basically Keanu Reeves is just constantly in pain. Mm. I mean, the, to do the amount of work that he does, I mean, you know, I make a lot of action films. He's done so many himself for John Wick's, for Matrix, Speed, yeah. Point Break. Mm. He's, he's done it a lot. And then the Lake House started doing, <laughs> yeah, started started doing John Wick, Gone Fifty, right? Yeah, yeah. And so the toll that, especially a John Wick film, takes. It's not easy. Mm. You've got to take your hat off to the guy. And he doesn't need the money. He doesn't need the fame. He's doing mm. it for the love of, of action cinema. Yeah. yeah. 
mm. which I really respect. It's yeah, it's it, incredible. It feels like it has had an effect as well. It feels like it reminded people that you know, people doing stuff is very impressive in itself that you don't always need to digitally add to it. it can, that can be good too, but like you don't have to do that. It felt like it changed something and brought something back to life a little bit. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think things. like you go and watch Tom Cruise do his death defying stunts, mm -hmm. that there's an impact to that, isn't there? Seeing that on the big screen, and we want to go and see it on the big screen IMAX as well. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the same with, with Reeves and whenever an actor does as much as they can themselves and, and reeves is the first guy to say um you know i don't do stunts i do my own action but yeah. that action is is really grueling yeah. and you, you don't see the takes that didn't work mm. you don't see the 20 takes of him <laughs> running up those steps that they they didn't use for the first shot <laughs> Yeah. You know. Or his back goes, or his, yeah. <laughs> or his knees stop. You're yeah. right, though. It was a bit of a revelation because wasn't it the year that John Wick came out? I think was Taken Three. I want to say it was Three. And right, you, there's a scene where Big Liam and we love Big Liam. Love he him. climbs over a fence, and there are 15 yeah. cuts as he climbs over this fence. Yeah. And then you go to John Wick and the club scene, and it's just a wide shot, and the camera just rolls, and Keanu just kills the shit out of everyone, and it yeah. just it put those two things in such stark relief, and you were like. This is incredible. Yeah, well, that that way of filmmaking to me was shocking for for so long because I've always been a big fan of Hong Kong cinema mm. and martial arts movies, you know, a action films. And I understand why Greengrass did it. And he actually said to me, because I was on Born Ultimatum, he said, the less you see, the more you believe, yeah. which is a very valid point. Mm. Uh, but if it's action and mm. you can see it in all its glory, when it really works, it, it works. Um, and so that, that shaky cam stuff, yeah, it would really rub me up the, the wrong way for the longest time. Mm. And I hope we've seen, we've seen the back of it. I mean, there's different ways to do the camera work, like the raid. Mm. Some people call that shaky cam. It isn't, it's not. but it's got that kinetic yeah, yeah. energy. But you, yeah. can, you can always see the choreography. Mm. And that's the most important thing. See the choreography. Don't just hear it, see it. But it comes way, down to who you got in front of the camera, right? Like, Because yeah. like Matt Damon, don't get me wrong, great actor, but he doesn't have the particular set of skills that Keanu has, for example, or you have. Like, So for him, like, he needs the edits, really, I think, to make it convincing in a way that other well, people Well, do you know what? He wasn't bad at all, and he did a lot of boxing training. Mm. Um, they could have shot it a lot better. If you look at the first Bourne movie, yeah. it, it is shot a lot better. Uh, that's Greengrass's style, and then people copied that. And Greengrass did it the best, of course, mm. but don't copy the action. He's doing it for other reasons, <laughs> I believe. Yeah. And I think it's been fascinating watching the way that, that action has evolved. I mean, you know, I've been lucky enough as I've said in the podcast before, I was on set of the raid too, and I've, I've got, I've had to, I've got, I've had, to, I was forced at gunpoint to watch Gareth Evans work. <laughs> you know, I got to watch him work and see how he does it, and with his team, they're incredible, and they, they, every shot is planned out meticulously. In it's not previs, but they, you know, they build these cardboard cities and they, they do these incredible stunt sequences, and he's editing literally as he goes, and he's matching what he's shooting in the room to what he's shot already, so he knows it all cuts together seamlessly. And then people like Chad and, and, and David come along with 8711 and they just redefine Hollywood's attitude towards action cinema. It's incredible. Well, 8711, they became the kings of the previous. Mm. So they would advertise, okay, we'll, we'll give you action design if you want. So a movie would come to them and say, okay, design the action. So they would previous all of the action sequences in the gym at 8711. And, um, you know, you would give it over to the producers, the director. And they either stick to that template or they do their own thing. And in my opinion, most of the time do it worse. <laughs> um, but now you see that those guys that were doing that for all those productions, the Marvel films or all the rest of it, 
now they're able to do it for their own films mm. and they have you know final cut mm. and i'm i'm not going to let you edit it like that it, i want it to be like this where you can see the action clearly so now you've got david leach chastahelski sam hargrave jj perry yeah. Yeah. and the action is undeniable mm. in my opinion mm. you can't look at that and then look at some other stuff and and say which is in my opinion it's obvious which is best <laughs> the case is closed <laughs> <laughs> Done. Moving on. Uh, well, the good news is I have some questions here from listeners. Uh, so full disclosure, at the uh, beginning of the podcast, I was like, oh, yeah, and Scott, we wanted you to be around for the listener question section. And then I was, oh, fuck, I don't have a listener question. So I quickly sent one out. Um, Scott, you bought me enough time now to get some questions. So that's good. Thank, thank you for, for all the chat. Uh, Geek Pub Quiz on Twitter. And this is for all of us. Uh, I think this one's specifically for you, Scott. <laughs> have you ever been allowed to take a souvenir from a movie set? And if so, what did you take? Oh, I'm going to have a really boring answer to this. You must have the teeth. Surely you didn't give the teeth back. I haven't got the teeth. Oh. <laughs> they said they were in the back. Oh, I don't know what for. <laughs> yeah, why? What are they doing with them? Who's wearing them? What sort of fetishist has <laughs> got them right now? I don't tend to take a lot. I really wanted the knife from Expendables too, because oh, okay. everyone else got to keep their knives except for me. No. What? Why? Must why? have been for the same reason they did put me on the poster. <laughs> Lionsgate. Who's sorry now? No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> um, actually, Keanu gave me uh, the the one of the axes that my men have in in John Wick Four. That's nice. So I'll, I'll go with that for the answer. That's not, is that hanging on your wall or is that on eBay? It's away from the children because <laughs> yeah. it's a real one. A real. You do not have my okay. axe. Yeah. <laughs> do you yeah. Get, do you get the cards? Did you keep the cards? Or are they, you know, I've got loads of those cards. Right. Because I'd spend so much time training with them. Right. And they actually used the same ones that I was training with just to make sure that I could do them uh, on the day. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's all you do and all those, those little tricks and... M most mm, of it. Some of it. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. The main one was the flick and the catch. <laughs> it's impressive. Very yeah. impressive. Hell uh, Spells, James, have you nicked anything from a movie set? Have you mm, stolen anything? No. I refuse to answer on the grounds that my answer may incriminate me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do, in fact, have a casing from Avatar. <laughs> Well, shell casing. Oh, really? They had, so, so they, they had the whole thing where they, they said the, because it's set in the future, they decided that the, the shell casings for the, the guns would be rectangular instead of round, instead of cylindrical. Because they said you'd fit more in a magazine to be more efficient. So they had these sort of toy guns that f essentially fired out the shell casings. And I may or may not have appropriated one, and it might be at my house. That's fair enough. Yeah, I, I thought so. I don't think I took anything that I can remember. I really wanted, I was in, on one of the Harry Potter films, um, six 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 sure and um there's the aftermath of the weasley wedding and so there are all these like you know just stuff just because the wedding is interrupted by things i won't get into spoilers for a is it scott atkins is it, interrupted yeah. by, is, it yeah. is it killer harkin and uh anyway and i really wanted to take some of the stuff but i didn't i was really really self-controlled even Missed though an opportunity i was there didn't you helen i know i did i did I'm still annoyed, actually. I got my picture taken on set of 300 holding a severed human limb <laughs> in front of a wall of other severed human limbs and or dead bodies, and they never sent it to me. Oh, oh. Good. I've had my head cut off a few times, but <laughs> I haven't been able to keep my own head. <laughs> oh, I was going to oh, say. No. That's a shame, because David Thewlis, we talked about this on the podcast, I think. Uh, David Thewlis has had his head cut off in about four or five different movies, and he has his head... And yeah. he, he has them around his house, and he says he doesn't know what to do with them sometimes. <laughs> oh, it's, it's obviously to make jokes, like in um, 
Austin Powers when he made all those terrible jokes about he'll never be head of a major corporation. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. There are so many jokes you can make with extra. He puts them in the he puts them in the fridge every now and again. So when someone opens the fridge, there's David Thewlis's head, or he'll put good. it in 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 the uh, in the bed for his partner to find. Uh, so that's a lot of fun. Brilliant. Well, I, I once had my head cut off in a film, mm -hmm. and they brought my head in. Right. And it looked a bit funny, and everyone started laughing at it, <laughs> and I felt very self-conscious about it. <laughs> what was wrong? What, 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 it, it? it looks a bit, it's almost like they'd stretched the skin over a different skull. <laughs> wow. But they so did a it cast looks a bit your face to get it, right? They did, it wasn't just like a... Or were they just guessing? Yeah, they're just guessing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, something went wrong. Anyway. Didn't feel good about that. I it really hurt my feelings. Aww. Yeah. So I wasn't going to keep that one. They hurt my feelings. Now I am going to hurt them. Um, <laughs> at Eddie White Jr. What actors who've not been in a Wes Anderson movie would you most want to see join one of his ensemble casts? Uh, now, Scott, you can use this opportunity to, because uh, I know Wes Anderson listens religiously to the podcast. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to put your case forward, would you, would you want to work for Wes Anderson? Of course, I'll work for anyone. <laughs> Scott is available. <laughs> give, give me the question again. Uh, which which actor would you like to see in a Wes Anderson movie who hasn't, hasn't already, already been, been in. in a Wes Anderson movie? It's quite hard to think. Of and we're going to take you off the table immediately, Scott Adkins. Well, so, you can't yeah, really yes. punch someone in the face whimsically. I'm saying so. you, could. I mean, you could. Maybe you could. You've had action. I'm pretty sure there have been face punches, whimsical face punches in previous Wes. Did Anderson they blink? Movies. That's the question. People have died uh, in Wes Anderson movies. You know. I mean, watching it, yeah, whimsically or on. Oh, come on. Come what? Come on. Um, somebody asked this on Twitter yesterday, and and another person who I forget gave the correct response, which is Adam Driver, who would actually be very mm. good in a Wes Anderson. Adam movie. Driver feels like he's someone who's already been in every he's, Wes Anderson movie yeah, ever made, in spirit, exactly. if not in, in body. In spirit, and he's done similar stuff, but he hasn't technically been in a Wes Anderson. Movie. Wasn't he in the French Dispatch? No, it just feels. Like yeah, he was. it really feels. It like does he was. feel like that's like really I'm pretty sure like I've seen Adam Driver in a. Where's Anderson movie, or maybe that's a vivid G's dream. I don't sure know. It wasn't it was Benicio and Tim? Benicio, that's right. Yes. yes, yes, they're so interchangeable. Well, you know, uh, yeah, that's a very, very good shout. Very good shout. If you want to have your question read out in the Emperor Podcast, you can get in touch with us via a number of methods. We're on. Well, I'm on Twitter. Uh, I thought I think that's it for the blue tick. Yeah, that's it. I think that's it. By the time this goes out, we will be tickless. We will be ticked off. We will be ticked in off in so many ways. What's a tick for? To pee with. <laughs> And uh, yeah, Elon's uh, big old blue tick cull. Uh, Scott, are you going to pay for Twitter Blue? I imagine there's a celebrity that. You well, know, when do we have to do this? First of April. First of April, April yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to have to see how many people start pretending to be me <laughs> and then uh, weigh up my options. Because <laughs> that's, pro that's the problem, right? Yeah, that's probably the problem. Yeah. It doesn't stop yeah. them pretending to be you, though, because they could just buy a tick, too. Yeah, it's, and you can all have ticks. It's, oh, it's so a, they could pretend yeah. to be me and have But it's tick. not like they reset your follower count, right? No, no that's so, true. Yeah. But it's almost like this has not been thought through on really any yeah. level. Mm. So. so, Scott, you have 161,000 followers. So they're, 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 My Twitter whole, game is not very good. It's, it's, it's better than it's it's a a game. <laughs> Your last tweet was simply a retweet simply saying lists. So actually, in fairness, I'm with you. Come on. Again, feel free to punch better ones than that. Come on. There's a lot of retweeting that goes on. I'm a bit lazy with it. Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, 161,000 followers uh, on Twitter. So, you know, and you're Lee Scott Adkins, but you're absolutely right. There's nothing to stop me being you know, a Scott real Adkins. Scott Adkins or a Scott Adkins or surreal Scott Adkins or something like that and then you know setting up a rival Twitter account mm -hmm. so that's why you have to pay 
Elon Musk, seven ninety nine a month. Obliged. No, don't do it. Well, Starting. I see. I feel now tomorrow. the blue the blue tick is now going to become something. To, it's just going to be a sign of being a bell end, right? Like from then on, you have a blue tick, you're a bell end because you play for t- mm. Twitter Blue. Technically, the tick yeah. is white. The background is blue, but it's okay. like wow. Helen. <laughs> okay, there we go. Yeah. There we go. But uh, you never know. You never know. I I just have a feeling that people who have a big old following, like Scott, one hundred sixty one thousand followers. Yeah. You're not going to have to dip your hand in your pocket. No. I've got a feeling that someone from someone from Twitter is going to reach out and go, "Mr. Adkins, would you like to have a blue tick background with there a white go. tick? Would you like to have that?" And you'll you'll be fine. You'll be sorted. I haven't really thought about it until this moment. <laughs> oh, see, we're very petty. We think about this stuff all yeah. the time. But then, if you're just the whole point of Twitter Blue, right? Was you could pay for a tick to make you look like the people who had ticks. But if the people who had ticks no longer have ticks, what the fuck are you paying for the tick for? Like it defeats the purpose of doing it. It feels, yeah, like, it a, it through. It feels like a bad habit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was really cool in that routine. Yeah. What's it oh, take well. for? Uh, anyway, anyway. So uh, those rockets stay up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at Chris Hewitt on Twitter. If you want to get in touch, blue tick or not, be damned. Uh, you can slide into my DMs or you can reply to any of my tweets once you've stopped laughing, of course. Right. Should we have a guest? Guests. Sure. That was a bit loud, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> drinking there what are you drinking i'm drinking a can of water brilliant good story yeah uh all right who do you want so we got uh, basically i've spoken to everybody from dungeons and dragons and i spoke to them in pairs so you've got chris pine hugh grant paired you've got sophia lillis and justice smith paired you know what fuck it i'm going to take them in the order in which i did them because then i started referring to the previous interviews in the other interviews that seems so you're going to get chris pine and hugh grant first so dungeons and dragons honor monk thieves is out this week uh it is fantastic we're going to be talking about it later on in the review section and uh chris pine plays the film's hero edgen who is a thief turned bard who, who falls in with some other people and goes on a quest slash heist what if a bard turned thief and also he's kind is of he a bard harper more than thief? a bard he's I'm a bard a... turned harper turned thief he's a bard he's a bard he's a thief he's a harper he's a he's a lover he's a sinner he's a saint <laughs> he's all of those things he has in the film uh, an interesting relationship with Hugh Grant who plays a character called Forge now he's a bit of a con man a little bit woo a little bit wee a little bit way and uh, I had a good time chatting to them Hugh Grant Busts my balls in this interview. Good for him. Did Good you for blink him. No, I didn't blink. I didn't blink at all. <laughs> Not at all. Scott's going to bust my balls for real. <laughs> Later on. Uh, promises, promises. Here we go. Chris Pine and Hugh Grant. Enjoy. We're delighted to be joined in the Empire Podcast by Chris Pine, Hugh Grant. How are you both? Very good, thank you. <laughs> good. Uh, Chris was delighted to hear that we weren't on camera for this. I'm going to share this with listeners. Chris, you've just taken off your shoes. I have. <laughs> Does that indicate the sort of junket that this is? No, no, no. Just, I, I like to be barefoot most of the time, so wearing uh-huh. shoes is abnormal. No, leave leave, leave the trousers on. Leave them on. No. <laughs> Weird. Just trying to get some air in here. Hugh, you haven't divested yourself of any garments uh, whatsoever. Not yet. <laughs> I, I shall. By the end, we're both going to be naked. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's going to be 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's going to be like strip poker, but with an interviewing. Just mud wrestling. At the same Dungeon time. Dragons yeah. mud wrestling. <laughs> precisely, precisely. Uh, the movie is a, a ton of fun. I had a real, real blast with the movie. I mean, it's not initially the sort of film that I would have imagined you particularly in, Hugh, when the script came your way. Jonathan and John I'm, I'm an wrote this for you. artist in international <laughs> <laughs> When you first heard the words Dungeons and Dragons, what was your reaction? Uh, well, I do have uh, a few friends who play the game, 
but I th- didn't think it would be necessarily my cup of tea. And and also, you know, these uh, big American special effects things, uh, I thought, oh, well, probably not me. And to my astonishment, I opened this script and it genuinely made me laugh and and was touching. And they, mm. these two, John and Jonathan, who wrote it and directed it, they seem to love a loser as much as any other Brit. Yeah. You know, and it's quite a brave thing to, to make a big Hollywood film like this, action adventure, and not have the lead character be a warrior or something like that. And it's just a, a, well, a, a semi-useless bard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's a warrior, not a warrior, I would that, say. Well, you see, with your accent, the, the two are identical. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go cut classic. He's a warrior. Well, it's still <laughs> Warrior? I'm losing it. I'm losing it. Well, you, Worry. you lost it when you I'll, sat I'll down. <laughs> I lost when I woke up. Yeah. <laughs> In fairness. Yeah. But yes, but you are. But Edgar is a, a worrier, not a warrior. Yeah. Is that something that was uh, an appealing? Yeah, appeal I think you? like you said, I, I was charmed by the fact that these guys are like the B team. It reminded me of... Um, a little bit of bad news bears. It's like <laughs> the worst team in, in baseball has to go up and win the World Series and you know what's gonna happen, but by God you can't help but follow these guys on their on their on their journey. So I like normal people doing extraordinary things versus, you know, supernatural people doing supernatural things. Mm. I, I read in the production notes, which are always useful, that um, <laughs> I've written a few myself <laughs> in time. Uh, yeah, uh, the ones I write are not useful, but mm. these ones were. That whenever this script came your way, Chris, that just by serendipity, pure serendipity, you were actually hosting your nephew's. Yeah, so my that nephew's too good to be true. Surely. My, my nephew's a huge uh, gamer, huge D and D. He's been playing with the same kids for like six years, he's 13 now. He writes his own campaigns, he draws his own maps. He's got these awesome, um, uh, these two guys that are their dungeon masters that have been helping them with their their campaigns and their journeys. And I got a chance to watch him play with his friends and it really struck me, it was like acting class. It was like, seriously, like acting class. They were just playing and improving and the incredible amount of imagination and creativity involved in basically how joy joyful and joyous it was so i was really yeah. taken by that it's yes and isn't it basically yeah it's always. all yes and and that uh um really the 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 you don't have to know anything about dragons you don't have to know anything about this world you don't have to in fact really care about it the fact of the matter is that the beating heart of it is play and all of us have played since we were children. At a certain point, people are like, no, you should go to work or go to school and play times now. Well, Dungeons & Dragons is that time when you and your friends, no matter what age, can re-remember that you were a child once that could play pretend for hours and, and not even blink. And Hugh, you've played as well, because I know, again, thanks to the production notes, that there was a, a long game that Jonathan and John made the cast play. Oh, what was that experience like here for you? Here we go. You've touched on rather a sore point. Yeah. <laughs> here we go. There was a party. Yeah. Which I'm I gather the cast and directors enjoyed very much and I'm glad for them. But sad, oh, no. sadly they didn't invite the older actor. Mm-mm. Ah. Who went for a lonely walk <laughs> by the loch. Is that because you made it known you wouldn't want to play or was it just uh, the invitation didn't come your way? They weren't paying for rehearsals. <laughs> <laughs> You had other things to do. That's a shame. So you haven't actually played D and I'm. I also haven't played before, uh, but I, I want to now. I'm a little bit intrigued now. Mm. 
I still don't understand a word of when he when he talks about it. I switch off. I, I, I don't. Oh, thanks, pal. <laughs> yeah. well, I don't get it. I've listened no, and listened you. and listened, and I can't, I can't get it. Yeah. What's in the box? There's nothing in the box. There's no ball. What's in the box? <laughs> People buy this box, <laughs> and as far as I can make out, there's one dice in it. You, yeah. Yeah. You really don't know fucking anything. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what D&D stands for? No, not really. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Ultimately, it doesn't matter. Uh, Hugh, the last thing I saw you in before this was the Stephen Frears documentary. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Imagine documentary, which is, which is fantastic. Uh, and in it, you were talking about Stephen Frears, and obviously you, you've worked with him uh, a few times. Yeah. Uh, wonderfully, you called him a grumpy fucker. <laughs> now, is that... <laughs> He's talking about himself. <laughs> yeah, see the two of us together. Now, Jonathan and John, I've, I've met them before. They do not strike me as being grumpy fuckers. But uh, what, what do they bring to the table in terms of their directing skills? Um, How un-Stephen Frears are they? Well, then, then no one could be as grumpy as Stephen on a bad day. <laughs> and I never saw them grumpy, although uh, John revealed to me the other day that by the end of the shoot... He was on 25 espressos a day. <laughs> he had to be taped to his bed in the evening. <laughs> <laughs> it's high pressure for these guys. It wasn't a small budget. Yeah. Chris Pine's not easy. No. So. No. no, my trailer wasn't big enough. <laughs> and you kicked off, I presume. Yeah. Oh, every I mean, day. Every company. day. <laughs> I want fresher fish. <laughs> uh, Chris, what do you look for in a director? Really, ultimately, what I look for in, in in anybody, and especially with my co-stars, if you're going to spend you know twelve to fifteen hours a day on set, I would rather enjoy myself than have to swallow a pill. And and across the board, this team was just fun to work with. You know, they're they're collaborative and knew exactly what they wanted. They're great comedy writers. They have a good sense of tone. Um, they moved the camera well. They were organized, um, and they had a specific take on it. I mean, for instance, you know, this is a in terms of scale, size, scope, price, it's 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 it is a temple, you know. Mm. So there's a way that this could have been that was could have been really great, really slick, but they did things I think directorially that I found new and and fun to watch. I found their camera work, especially in the action sequences. There's one in particular where uh, Sophia Lillis is a yeah. um, becomes all these different. Creatures. Got a round of applause at the premiere last night. Yeah. I've never seen a camera shot get a round of applause. <laughs> And it, did. and it was full subjective. It was like you're on a ride, like an yeah. e-ride or whatever. And especially in IMAX, it's it's absolutely nuts. I mean, it was uh, I was really really impressed by being able for them first time directing. I mean, nearly quadrupling the budget of their last film, mm. figuring out a way to put their own imp imprimatur on um, something that could have just been done well, but would have been felt derivative. And I didn't think it felt derivative. No, absolutely not. And uh, I, the, I, I loved Game Night as well. I don't know yeah. whether you've, you've, yeah. you've, have you seen Game Night? I haven't. Yeah, no, it's of fantastic. So. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's really great. And they've got a real directorial voice and there's real style as yeah. well. And one of the things I loved about it, and you touched upon it briefly, um, was that there is a real emotional heart to the film. Yeah. And, and your characters, you know, Edgin and, and Forge, have this, this sort of battle over a young girl's soul where you both want the best thing for her. And I thought that was a really interesting and complex subject to tackle in a, mm. in a movie like this. I think you're right. I mean, at the end of the day, the, my characters 
a complete failure when it comes to being a father. His moral compass is completely skewed. But and I think I think even Hugh mentioned this is that at the end of the day, if you if you look at the real drama behind the behind the comedy and the and all of that is this guy Forge became an uncle to this woman, and even though there was a lot of subterfuge and a lot of maleficent shit going on he did take care of this young lady while my character was in prison so i do think there there is some interesting stuff to be to be mined there poor old forge he's never really achieved love or belonging mm. and i think he loved the fact that uh, this young girl while he's his, her father's in prison did come to look up to forge as a sort of father it was lovely for him finally he had a little love in his life and then it snatched away but there's something there to play as well, which I thought was really, really interesting. Sorry, there's something there to play. Well, there is, really and um, I, I was very protective of that. Yeah. I still am, because um, it's so important not to just be a two-dimensional baddie. Yeah, absolutely. And you must be enjoying them. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's an element, there's a, there's a Phoenix Buchanan energy, I think, to, to Forge. And you must, there's, there, I've, I've, there's a playfulness, I think, to some of your, your recent performances. The stuff you've done with Guy Ritchie, for example. Uh, is that does that all stem from the way that, in a strange way, Paddington almost reinvented you in the eyes of, of of an audience? Well, I, I don't know. I, I, really, all it stemmed from is that I got too old and ugly to do romantic comedies <laughs> anymore, and these are the things I get offered. But it's been lovely for me because that's really where I started. I started in the eighties doing sketch comedy, silly voices, funny characters, and was never never felt particularly comfortable being. Um, blinky leading man uh but you know it was extremely well paid and some of the films <laughs> that i did that in are good films they're not they're great films yeah but um it's it's very nice to be back doing silly voices mm. and chris you've always struck me as there's there's a, a a character actor in the leading man's body i mean look at the smoking aces for example that performance so is it always fun for you to cut loose every once in a while and embrace yeah, the weird i, I uh I, you know, this is very much a, a leading man part in, in the sense that you are um, the audience surrogate, so to speak. You take people on a journey and, and are their outlet for experiencing the film while the, the you know, um, so they're, they're, it's very much in that regard. I love doing comedy and like <laughs> you and I have talked about this a lot is we found ourselves in a line of work where people put us in a thing which... I th it's ridiculous. I find it kind of ridiculous that that I'm put in that thing. And again, it's a great gig, and I'm happy for it. But I started out wanting to do my idea of what it, my career was going to be like did not look like this <laughs> in the slightest. But you know, it's to be working and to get paid for your work is a great thing, and to play pretend is a great thing. And you know, I may have certain druthers that aren't satisfied, but you know, I can I can make that happen. Uh, and I'm trying to make that happen in my own way. Roll with the punches. And yeah. yes, and. Well, I'll let you put your shoes back on. It's <laughs> been an absolute pleasure. You, thanks. Chris, thanks so much. Thank, thank, you, thank, you, thank you. Thank you. And sorry about my accent, you. I, I will yeah. I will Jesus. take elocution lessons immediately. What did he say? What did he say? Okay, so that was Chris Pine and Hugh Grant, and we'll be talking about Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves later on, and talking to pretty much everyone in the cast as well later on. Uh, but now we're about to talk about this week's movie news, but we're about to lose Scott Atkins, who is yes. heading off into the great unknown. What are you? What are you off to, Scott? What's your afternoon plan? Take a fight with someone. See <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I can get up to. You know, my, you know, my afternoon plan is after this, and this is quite genuine. I'm going to see John Wick Chapter Four. 
because we're recording our spoiler special mm. tomorrow and I saw it three weeks ago, so I need to refresh myself. Fresh your yeah. memory yeah. of one of the greatest action films of modern times, <laughs> in my humble opinion. <laughs> but I want to see it with an audience as well, like a proper three audience. Three out of five stars. Don't oh, here we go. Here he goes. Hey, what the look. heck's all that about? Listen to last we, week's we, 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 we all we are with you. Magazine. Yeah. And that's not just because yeah. you can beat us all to a no. pulp. Uh, <laughs> whose idea was that? Whoever wrote the review. Who yeah. did write the review? He's Whoever it is is not here. Was no, it is it Alex? Was did Alex write the review? I don't remember. Whoever he is, he's a coward. Yeah. There was, yeah. There, were, there, was a, there was spirited discussion and, and, and vociferous disagreement about mm. that. Yes, so I believe on last week's show, which I wasn't on, Shocking. you guys were yeah, you Shocking. guys were very much in the uh, in the four star camp. Yes, we are. Uh, which is uh, which is the correct star rating for for chapter four because I want to see it with an uh, with an audience, uh, a proper audience. Because I saw it with a bunch of jaded, cynical <laughs> film hacks, and it's not the same oh, reaction, no. Scott. It's not yeah, the same reaction. No, I mean, it's, yeah, I'm I'm yeah. looking forward to seeing it with with a real audience, to be honest, and not just the premiere. Yeah, I was at, well, at the premiere. It must have been a fun well, experience obviously as well. They know you're in the room, so everybody's super pumped. But still, <laughs> you, you want to see it with the, the regular audience packed out at the IMAX. Yeah. So I might sneak in, and uh, well, no one's going to recognise me anyway, are they? <laughs> Unless oh, that's me. <laughs> no. Honestly, it is. Don't look anything like you, mate. Yeah. <laughs> do you want to? I, I look like my brother, but that's me. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to do you want to kill yourself up? You know, can you get like a makeup artist to make you look like killer again, and then just yeah, I'll, go down I'll, purple I'll suit and all? Them, I say, have you got that two hundred grand <laughs> suit that I can put on again, <laughs> and uh, three and a half hours of uh, makeup, please? That's I'm important. off. I'm off to watch it at the IMAX. So let's go. <laughs> can they like? Because obviously you didn't get to keep the suit. They've got the suit. Can they reuse that suit? Like what is? Because presumably it was, it was made pretty for funky you. by the time I'd finished with it. <laughs> it like didn't that. smell great. <laughs> So it's just going to sit in some vault somewhere. Maybe there's going to be like a John Wick exhibition one day. Maybe. With the teeth. That's where the yeah. teeth are. Mm. Well, you never know. They might need it again. You never know. Oh. spin-off. Can't wait to get back in that thing. There are, are spin-offs happening, right? We that is true. That, that is so, true. You know, never know. Ballerina. Let's see what happens there. Oh, it's like it, Killer Live. Honestly, that I, I would pay money to see that. That would be incredible. Uh, Scott, we were off air a second ago and you wanted to ask me a question and I said, wait for on air. What I is the question? I wanted to know, how is Dungeons and Dragons? Oh, I thought it was be a much more exciting question than that. But it's, uh, it is, it's great. I, I thought it was terrific. Uh, it's really funny. It's really clever, really inventive. The cast are tremendous. Uh, and yeah, it gave me, it gave me some seriously good blockbuster vibes mm. oh good yeah March has been a good month then your um, move April. and what certificate is Dungeons and Dragons it is a 12 yeah. 12A right. I'll take my daughter check it out do it do it weigh in let us know what you think on Twitter as well at this. Scott Atkins just find a good review <laughs> and then yeah. just go this yeah. there you go uh, Scott it's been an absolute pleasure thanks guys thanks for having me thank you yeah. All right, so that was Scott Atkins. What a lovely guy. Really is. Lovely, yeah. lovely guy. And uh, this is part of he's my really theory. good. In... This is part of my theory about yeah. action people. They tend to be lovely people because they get all that aggression out first thing in the morning yeah. when they're doing yeah. their training or whatever. Like, you know, if somebody else beats him to a roll, that's fine. Nobody beats him. Because then he just gets to beat them up the next time he sees them huh. and he gets all that aggression oh. out too. Do you know what I mean? See, this is the difference between me and Scott Atkins. There are many differences between me and Scott Atkins, but you said roll and I immediately thought bacon roll. <laughs> I mean, probably also the case, you know, if there's a yeah. stunt team around, there's only one bacon roll left, somebody gets that bacon roll. The others get to beat that person up until they feel better about that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, so I feel like mm -hmm. it's a beautiful kind of 
chilled group of people in general. It's a circle of life, isn't yeah. it? Uh, so we, is it, what's the next line? The Wheel of Fortune? No. Is that right? What's the next line in so Circle of Life? Circle of Life. It's a Wheel of Fortune. What's oh, it buries. I think it's it something us all. Way. Yeah, it's a something it's us all. Happy. Yeah, that's exactly how it goes. That's how he sings it these days. Yes. <laughs> wow. I'm Dill Danden. Anyway. Movie news? Sure. Let's sure. do it. Let's what's, do it. What's happening in the world of movie news? Is there says, any Googling I mean, there's, movie there's news? There's some small bits and pieces of movie news. Um one that I know you're excited about, Chris, um uh, Lee Cronin, who made Evil Dead Rise, which we'll be seeing Rise. and talking about pretty soon. Um, is signed up for a new horror thr- thriller called Thor. Thor? Thor. Not The, the Dark World? Not The <laughs> Avenger. Ragnarok? T-H-A-W. <laughs> you're both just dreadful people. Thor, T-H-A-W. A T-H, I think you're fine. <laughs> Di- don't disrespect my people, Chris. Anyway, this is apparently a story set in a world where the polar ice caps have melted. We're tick. That's going well. Sea levels have risen. Tick yeah. also under under uh, control. Is it and, a documentary uh, you're basically saying? Basically, yes, it's a documentary set of a couple of years in the future. And a, a group of survivors are at sea looking for a new home. Everything seems to be great when they find an inhabitable town. But wouldn't you know it, there is a nightmare living under the water's surface nearby. When does a dream become a nightmare? I don't know, but it sounds a little bit like the Crack and Wakes, the uh, John Wyndham book. It sounds a little bit, you know, Jawsy. I'm, it, I'm excited. Jawsy. It sounds a little bit. That's the original uh, concept for the film was Jawsy. Jawsy. It's a bit Jawsy. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, as anyone knows, I think we can we can say now, Evil Dead Rise is the real deal, folks, and Lee Cronin is the real deal as a filmmaker. Very excited to do a spoiler special on Evil Dead Rise. Mm. Rise. Uh, that is for sure. And this sounds exciting. It sounds a little bit like um, that. A little bit like, what was that alligator movie with? Um, Crawl. K. Scotters. Crawl. Yes. Crawl. Sounds a little bit like that. Mixed yeah. with hard rain. Mixed with meets the postman. Me- uh, meets Waterworld. Meets Waterworld. That's it. I was trying to think, what's yes. the Kevin Costa what's film? the one that's it's like water and it's covering the world? <laughs> and Oh, the postman. That's the one. <laughs> I think it was called The Bus That Couldn't Slow Down. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, God. <laughs> it's been a long life in fairness yes, and it has and he plays the mariner old uh, kevin costner which was the name of my local fish and chip shop there you go hot fat for you oh there you go that is more personal information than you <laughs> and i've ever shared on the podcast 550 yes. podcasts wow okay. yeah. wow there you go good cotton chips you've been on that many podcasds i'm sure we've had filters probably in place for such probably a thing. feels like it yeah. <laughs> yeah okay okay what other news i don't um, know helen you tell me i'm asking the questions well um uh, Matthew McFadden has joined Deadpool three. Yes, he has in a role as that Tom Wamsgam. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Just have him play Tom. I hope he knows what the role is. You know, all those things where you go, it's a role, and we don't know what it's about. You would hope that the actor would know, right? And that the director would know. You'd hope that Sean Levy and Ryan Reynolds are going. Don't worry, Tom from Succession. We've got you. It's probably something like Scott just described, you know, where they called him up and said, do you want to do it? I should talk with you through it first. And yes. like three months from now, they'll, they'll, you know, tell him he's actually going to be playing Jubilee Lee or something. And he'll be like, I don't think that's appropriate. And then it'll all go wrong. I didn't pick up and I didn't develop that thread. But imagine what that's like for, for Scott Atkins or for any actor who's in a situation Right, you know, where you you get a really, really tantalizing, very promising phone call about a role, and then you hear nothing 
for three months. You must yeah. be going, oh, Jesus, I was so close. I was, it could have been in a John Wick. And then nothing. And then one day it rings out the, out the blue again. My experience of things like that in the past when I've, I've had very exciting conversations with people about, about jobs, uh, jobs that might not be empire related, is that they tend to have the conversations with me and I tend to go, yes, that's very, very exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm on board. I'm ready for the, the big change. And then the phone just stops ringing and then they never update me. And then I go, hello, um, any word on that very exciting opportunity? And then they don't respond to your email. This sounds mm-hmm. like every single person on Hinge. And then one day you run into them on the set of a movie. And you look at each other. And you know they know. And, and they you know, know you know. And they and know you, you know they know you know. Because you're British. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the, 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 the British way. Okay, <sighs> so after that therapy session, um, just, just to Could have been you, somebody. We could get back you to the been movie a contender. news. I could have saved that particular movie company from some of the terrible decisions <laughs> they made over the years. <sighs> anyway. Anywho. Did anyone like the Asteroid City trailer? Because <laughs> where the, Wes Anderson's made his film again. He's made he his has. film again. And I he couldn't has. be more delighted by that. It's so good. I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, he is so singular now that you, you can just tell a single frame of a Wes Anderson trailer and you're just like, okay, he's made his movie again. But if it, you know, I love the French Dispatch. And if this is as fun and interesting and quirky and odd and moving I thought as well then we're in for a real treat it's hard I can't tell you what the film's about no. necessarily but I can tell you who's in it and it's everybody everybody is in it I would say 75% of the cast do not appear in that trailer really? at all I don't think don't I didn't think. see a lot of them but so we saw, I only watched it once so we saw know. Tom Hanks yeah we did see T. Tom Hanks, Hanks for the memories we did see Jason Schwartzman we did and who Scarlett Johansson as someone pointed out I think it was Russ, uh, Russ Fisher who's a, a really good uh, American film writer uh, said it's really disconcerting to see the quintessential Wes Anderson kid uh, yes in, uh, in Jason Schwartzman from Rushmore now playing the quintessential Wes Anderson dad. And it's like, Jesus Christ. I, I also <laughs> tripped on that a little bit. I'm like, oh boy, I feel very, very old. I feel yeah. very old now. Um, and yes, you know, there's obviously familiar people in there who he pretty much always works with. We, we saw Jeffrey Wright, people like that. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't notice everybody. I saw Hope Davis. I didn't see Margot Robbie. I didn't see Rupert Friend. No. My Hawk, I saw Steve Carell, I saw Matt yes. Dillon, I saw Hong Chow, I don't remember seeing Jake Jake Ryan, Adrian Brody, I don't think I saw, Willem Dafoe was there, Re- Tony Revolori, Edward Norton, Jeffrey Wright, Stephen Park, Jeff Goldblum, you, Brian Cranston, Leah Schreiber. Yes. I mean... Brian Cranston, I don't remember every, seeing at all. Yeah, I don't think mm. we did. I don't think most of those people are in that trailer. Or if they are, they were, you know, blink and you miss it, and I blinked. So, um... So it's just really exciting. I I'm I loved I don't love all of his films, but I adored the French Dispatch and I'm very, very hopeful for this one as well. Mm-hmm. Anything else? I've yeah. got some MCU news. Uh go on. Go ahead with that then. Well, I guess technically Deadpool was MCU news. Technically that it is MCU news. Uh, and I still think that movie I still think that Hugh Jackman accidentally revealed the title of that movie and then they've kind of tried to erase it from the internet. Um which is Deadpool and Wolverine. I think that's what it's gonna be Sweet. called. Uh but we shall see. But Matthew McFadden, as Helen says, mm-hmm. in talks to star in that movie, uh, Ryan Reynolds, um, of course, playing Deadpool once again, Hugh Jackman back as Wolverine, uh, or being introduced as Wolverine 
interesting. I don't know. Mm. We shall see. How's that going to work? But there has been some other MCU news. Speaking of people returning to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, although technically speaking, Hugh Jackman was never actually a part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh boy. Uh, we have yet another Olive Branch extended by Kevin Feige to <laughs> The Incredible Hulk. <laughs> That's In the true. shape of Liv Tyler, yeah. who is returning as Betty Ross in Captain America, New World Order, which now seems like as much of a direct sequel to The Incredible Hulk mm. as it does to any of the Captain America films or indeed the celebrated 2021 Disney Plus live action TV show, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. With the emphasis heavily there on celebrated. Sure. <laughs> yep. So definitely. That's what it says here. Yep. I'm sure that's correct. Um, but yeah, with with Tim Blake Nelson and and uh, Liv Tyler, and of course we know that Harrison Ford is stepping in mm-hmm. um, to the late great William Hurt's shoes as Thunderbolt Ross. I mean, look, it's a Captain America film. It'd be weird if I wasn't excited about it. I'm a little confused by it. I'll be honest. Why are all these Hulk people in a Captain America movie? <laughs> a little bit. Well, because it's a New World Order. Yeah, Hell's bells. Of And so now we know that uh, Thunderbolt Ross, and there was, there was uh, shots this week of Harrison Ford on set without Thunderbolt Ross's trademark big, great, big bushy tash, which I thought was very, very interesting, as if he, as if Harrison Ford had almost refused to grow one. Well, but I, I think, <laughs> I think they don't get on, and so they shoot their scenes separately. Him and the mustache. Yeah, uh, that would explain. Yeah. Yes, it's currently it's currently glued to Henry Cavill's lip. It has to be. There's only one mustache at any time, uh, any given time in Hollywood, and they have to wrestle it off his lip and glue it to Harrison Ford's. Um, but yeah, you know, who knows? Maybe he'll have genuinely. Maybe he'll have one added in post. Well, isn't we he, don't know. There was there was a rumor that he was the president. Am yeah, I well, it's not even right? a rumor. Kevin Feige has confirmed, confirmed he is it. the president okay. now. So here's the Who's thing: voting for that fucker. No, but like uh, American politicians don't tend to have facial hair. Successful ones, uh, and certainly presidential candidates. Counterpoint of the last century. Counterpoint. Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, okay, the last century, though I said. Oh, damn it! Wait a second, Carter. No, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy Hill, Jimmy Hill famously wasn't, wasn't president of the US, famously so. American president. <gasps> Daniel Day Lewis pre- played Abraham Lincoln within the last hundred years. Therefore, I, therefore that I get through on a technicality. No, mm-hmm. Thank you, Helen. I no mm-hmm. technicality yes. for you. I'm just saying, it's, especially since the advent of TV, it's it's it. There are very few senior American politicians mm. with facial hair. What about fictional presidents in the movies? Any fictional presidents uh, sporting a great big tash or maybe even a great big bushy beard? I don't think so. Again, in the modern era. In the modern era. Yeah. Kevin Klein and Dave, no. Back in the day, John Adams had great big mutton chops, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like Leah Schreiber in X-Men Origins. We're thinking of John Quincy Adams in Amistad. No, Quincy Adams is the (laughs) guy who was the pathologist who solved crimes. You're both unbearable. <laughs> Here I am trying to bring a, just a sliver of fact yeah. to this disaster. We don't need, we don't well, perhaps you should work on your pronunciation of the letter H before you bring any <laughs> slivers of facts to the Empire podcast. It's anyway. slivers. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's focus on the return of Liv Tyler as Betty Ross. Yay. This is exciting, isn't it? Yeah. No, I think I think she's great. And um, her Betty Ross didn't get a huge amount Betty. to do. So it'd be nice <laughs> yes. to see her get a bit more. I, I I feel like, you know, the Jennifer Connolly one got a bit more uh-huh. reaction in a weird way. Um, I beg your pardon. This is good. This is this is interesting stuff. And I'm, hopefully she will be given some stuff yes, to do in this. I'm here for the ongoing rehabilitation of 
the Hulk. It deserves it. Yeah. Because it is, I think, now that the dust has settled, we can say the best MCU movie. <laughs> I mean, it's not the worst. Is it the worst? No, it's, no, not, it's I mean, not the worst. Is it the worst? No. It might be the I worst. I think it is the worst. It might be the worst. What, and what? I say this with nothing but love I and mean, respect for Louis Ant-Man and, and the Wasp, obviously, contender. Fuck you. Uh, it is. Fuck, fuck you. How <laughs> fucking dare you? Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. You then. come here and you look me in the eye and you pretend to be my friend for God knows how long. Too long, some That's are it. saying. Mainly me. Yeah. And then you look me in the eye and you betray me in such a way. Yeah. Like Fredo. <laughs> I can't carry this, but I can't carry you. No, yes. uh, I knew it was you, Frodo. Uh, <laughs> you broke my heart. Uh, <laughs> I, knew, I knew it was you, Frodo. You burnt my ring. Steady, that sounds very sexy. Never take sides um, against Sauron again. If you have a burning ring, you should go and see it. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm here for the rehabilitation of this film because I have long said that even though it is the worst MCU movie, it's not a terrible you, film. You literally didn't say that. No. You, you, okay. you said the opposite of that five seconds ago. I've revised my view. I think it is the worst, thinking about it, because I can't think of one that is worse. But I think, it, equally, it's in it's in a pool of three-star films, and it's maybe the lowest of those three-star films. I don't I, think it's a two. I think, I think it flirts with two-stardom. I don't think it's a two. I think, I don't know, I think mm, I think there's one or two, and I'm, I'm people are at home going, here he is, here's, here's old Kool-Aid Hewitt, drink the ooze, drink the ooze. But I, I don't think there are many films in the MCU that flirt with two. I think that's one of yeah. them. I also think there may have been one or two recently mm-hmm. whose names will not be revealed to protect their <laughs> identity. <laughs> Shut up. Sh- no. How dare you? No, How fucking dare it's you? It's Love and Thunder, but that's neither here How nor there. How fucking dare you? <laughs> Fueled by outrage. Uh, anyway, so the presence in this of Tim Blake Nelson uh, as Samuel Stearns, a.k.a. the leader with this great big giant green head. The leader, the leader. Sorry. What the fuck? <laughs> What, what is in I'm that drink I gave be, you? What was that? I'm not allowed to be ridiculous, but you two are. What uh, was it? What were you doing? What were you doing? Just singing. Oh, I Japan. see. Following the I see. I, I, I couldn't hear you. Uh, okay. That's you that. thought she was doing a little dance. I thought she was losing her mind. <laughs> uh, I thought she was so excited about the re- return of the leader that she was um, she was I losing mean, who it. Isn't who isn't? Who isn't? Who among us? Beloved characters yeah. hey. of that film. Listen, he is the Hulk's arch enemy. She is the Hulk's girlfriend slash wife slash love slash person he's forgotten about entirely for the last 16 years come on James James. come on James and of course Harrison Ford's General Thunderbolt Ross is I guess technically General President General President Thunderbolt Ross to you uh, is technically the Hulk's father-in-law is he? Are they married in the MCU? I can't no. remember. No, no they're they not. No. Married, okay, no. so he's he's the guy who's the father of the daughter of the bravest man. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that line is in New World Order somewhere. I just wanted to shake the hands of the daughter of the father of the bravest dentist I've ever met. Uh, but anyway, what I'm the point I'm trying to make is lots of Hulk alums in this mm-hmm. movie, but no Hulk. Or is there? Bop, bop. Do you think that we might see Ruffalo in this movie? I hope so. Possible. And that this is the, one of the ways that they're going, all right, come on. Come on, this is, this, is, this is good. This is exciting. New Captain America teaming up with Hulk. Yes, please. Taking down Big Green. Doesn't make sense to me you have the leader and not the Hulk. Doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> Seems odd. Furious. thing. Absolutely furious. Uh, but there are uh, some other news as well about the MCU this week. So it was revealed that uh, Thunderbolts, 
uh, Lee Sung Jin is going to rewrite the screenplay for this. So Lee Sung Jin, who is the creator of Beef, which is a good show, Jimbo, yes, coming we up are. on Netflix. Reviewing soon. it on the Pilot TV podcast on Monday. Oh Jesus it's Christ! Funny you should say that. Okay, so anyway, he has been brought on board to rewrite the script by Jake Schreier, who is the director who also worked on Beef, and Stephen Yun, who is going to be in Thunderbolts, is the star of Beef. He so has beef. there's a big old beefy circle uh, forming. <laughs> On the Thunderbolts, which is the movie, the, the MCU movie that I'm least excited about, but, but so, perhaps so. it might be good. This is a team of, of miscreants and ne'er-do-wells and people who are basically needing a second shot, a, a chance at redemption, a shot of redemption, if you will. Uh, and they are Florence Pugh's Yelena Belova, Sebastian Stan's Bucky Barnes, David Harbour's Red Guardian, Olga Kurylenko's Taskmaster, uh, Wyatt Russell's John Walker, a.k.a. US Agent, and our story on the Empire website has also left off Hannah John Cammon's Ghost, Ghost. a.k.a. the bad guy from Ant-Man and the Wasp, the greatest of all Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe movies. <laughs> and they're going to be under the auspices of Julia Louis-Dreyfus's Val, so I suspect the beloved she, Val, the beloved Val. But I, you know, there was a lot of retconning going on with that character in Black Panther: mm. Wakanda Forever, and I suspect that will continue uh, in Thunderbolts. In other Disney news, Questlove, Questlove, yeah. the Oscar-winning director of uh, Summer of Soul, and of course the drummer in The Roots, and just an all-round cool dude, an ace Very musician. Cool Former guest on the Empire podcast, of course. Uh, he gave a us a shout out in his Oscar speech. A guy, <laughs> a guy who wore Crocs to the Brits. Just wanted well to. Well done. That's, he's plummeted in my estimation. Oh, no, he's gone up in my. Anyone who wears Crocs, I'm sorry. They were very cool Crocs. They weren't like, you know, off the shelf kind of Crocs. There's a fan diagram of people who pay for Twitter Blue and people who wear Crocs. <laughs> that and is it's pretty untrue. much a circle. That is untrue. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I'm going to keep a close eye on Mr. Questlove's Twitter status. Uh, over the next, I genuinely think that anyone who has like over 100,000 followers, they're not going to have to dip their hands in their pockets. You know, They're going to get DMs going, we'll sort you out. Don't worry. It's fine. Anyway, Questlove, uh, he's going to direct a, a live action slash animated reimagining of the Disney classic, The Aristocats, <laughs> uh, which is going to be a lot of fun. Um, I'm not sure how they're going to quite show all the horrendous sexual acts. <laughs> That's that the aristocrats. Oh, I'm so sorry. I, I got those two confused. Um, almost deliberately, you might say. Oh. Uh, but yes, he's going to direct the Aristocats. Now, uh, Hell's Bells. Mm. Uh, Ben's obviously not here to fly the Disney flag. Yeah. Uh, the Aristocats, is it a beloved Marvel Disney movie? Oh, well, there you go. Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> it's an unusual Marvel team up, but uh, I'm with it. It's co- it's okay. It's from Disney's slightly fallow period that you know post um, post the death of Walt Disney and pre the kind of the Renaissance of the resurrection Mermaid of Walt Disney. Disney. <laughs> um, of course, when the, when the severed head in the cryogenic chamber came online. Um, but yeah, so it's it's in that fallow period in between. So it's not considered one of the what Ben would call the banger era of Disney. Um, Sounds like the aristocrats. aristocrats. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's what is it about? What's it about? Cats. It's about <laughs> it's about a family of fancy cats. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a class-based uh, thing. It kind of is. It's a, it's a fancy lady cat and her a very adorable, extremely fluffy kittens who have to thwart the uh, efforts of a butler to kidnap them when they're left a fortune by oh, their rich. No. Um, oh, no. And they meet Alley off. Cat thingy. Of What's course, there's a Tomcat, a smooth-talking Alley Cat. What's uh, he called? Thomas Malone? Is he Thomas Alley O'Malley? Tom. Thomas O'Malley? Thomas O'Malley, yes. Something like that. Who uh, they have to, yes, work with him to to escape 
the uh, the designs of this. O'Malley the Alligator. Jealous Butler. Yeah. yeah, it's not very good. L- like I say, it's kind of the it's it's okay. Look, it's got very fluffy cats in it. It does. So it's always going to have like a base level of audience <laughs> appeal. They are mm-hmm. extremely mm-hmm. fluffy. I cannot stress this enough. And they have little bows. Yes, they mm. have. Well, the little girl has a little bow. The little boys, I think, have like, like a little bell or something instead because they're very gender essentialist <laughs> in the uh, Disney cartoons. But look, it's it, it is cute. Maybe it has the potential to also be cool if Quest Love is involved. All we right. can hope. Sounds good. I'll check it out on Disney Plus. Uh, anything else before we move on to our second oh, batch of Dungeons and Dragons that's it. guests? We've, we've done enough Disney news. This is going to be a long podcast. I'm going to apologise right now up front. Although the interviews are quite short, although quite fun as well. Despite you being in them. Despite me being in them. Uh, this next one with Michelle Rodriguez and Reggae Sean Page, who play respectively Michelle Rodriguez and Reggae Sean Page <laughs> in Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> Honor Among Thieves. Uh, she plays Holger, who is a kind of barbarian who She's is... not a kind of barbarian. She She's is clearly barbarian. of the barbarian class, while he is, in fact, a lawful good paladin. I mean, that, that's clear, to be honest. Anyway... <laughs> forgot who was in the podcast booth this week. Someone who actually knows what he's talking about when it comes to Dungeons and Dragons. I, on the other hand, am a chaotic evil twat. So You, you know, are my, a great big fucking that's my class. evil twat. Yes. Uh, so they're great in this movie. I love this movie. And I had a blast talking to them together. And about shooting in Northern Ireland, Helen, shooting Hurrah. around the corner from your house, I believe. We, t- we talk a awful lot about that. Did they take out um, the Giants Causeway? <laughs> Jesus Christ. Whoa, what is wrong with you this week? On the bridge thing can That's someone please sleep with James <laughs> honestly <laughs> the, the, the unreleased sexual tension in this room right now uh, please I beg you it don't release it quite steamy in here <laughs> oh, no. oh. for the love of God anyway here are Michelle Rodriguez and Reggae Sean Page and this was an absolute blast enjoy Michelle Rodriguez, Reggae Sean Page, welcome to the Empire Podcast. How are you both? Thank you. Thank you for having us. Cheers. It's it's nice and chill in here. I was in the room with uh, Chris and Hugh and it was really warm, really stifling. No wonder Chris Pine took his shoes off. Yeah, I keep asking them gracefully to turn on the air conditioning lest I have (laughs) sweat marks on my uh, bikini line. You know, the sound <laughs> crying in the corner, going, "Please, I beg." Yeah, <laughs> and, and Rega, you've, you've you've got this this. I don't know what it is. You've killed a Wookiee, and <laughs> I didn't push kill push the I had the Wookiee killed. This is an entirely different thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, Michelle's named it Push Push. I'm wearing push, push. Well, for those of you listening along at home. Yeah, Rega John Page is wearing a very very fluffy uh, Alawalia sweater, which he loves very much, and which we have named Push Push. Push Push. Push Push. And yeah. my comfort for listening at home, Chris. Stewart's wearing a jumper he bought from Reese in the sale. So And it looks fantastic. fantastic. Thank you. You're, you're thank rocking you. it well, sir. Thank you very much. It's about the energy you bring with the jumper, you know? I've brought energy into this room. I was hoping to bring yeah. no energy whatsoever so you couldn't get a read on me at all. I want a sea shanty. I just feel like you're going to sing a sea shanty. That's what the sweaters seem to me. The beard might be doing it. It's a vintage fisherman's sweater. Honestly, this isn't a beard. This is just a a collection of hair that's just blown on my face. (laughs) But thank you. Thank you for giving us some dignity. Yes, of course. I can't can't do that. But but yeah, I thought thought for a second that you were were profiling me because of my accent, but the Northern Irish accent, whether, whether that's something that you picked up on having shot this film in Belfast and what that experience was like for you guys. I'm very keen that to know. Great. Um, I mean, I think we got to really enjoy being in the landscape. I think we were in. We we used a bunch of old Game of Thrones sets. 
Um, I think they were there for the same reason we were, because it was just gorgeous to be around. Like being mm-hmm. some of the sh- the shots in the woods with like shafts of light coming. It's from the nature, the man. The nature is just beautiful. Uh, Ireland in general, but Northern Ireland, I think you know it's just really beautiful skies. The mm-hmm. mountains are extraordinary. The hikes are extraordinary. I stay away from the city. I'm not a big fan of the industrial kind of, you know, hustle and bustle. Um, so for me, it was more about like being alone with nature. And in the summer, it's pretty extraordinary. You know, oh, yeah. the sun going down so late and the full mm-hmm. moons being so close to your face. I felt like. And then <laughs> the little visiting seals, you know, in the water. Uh, See, I've never had this experience. What? Yeah, <laughs> what? dude. Yeah. This, dude, you. I go home. People just it's shout at me. It's all about the seals, man. <laughs> you're surrounded by water in, in Belfast. It's great. This that is, is wild. narration by Michelle, Call of the Wild Rodriguez. <laughs> <laughs> it's not so much, half of it is you find it, and half they make of it is really the wild strange noises at night, too. And is this something, do you, do you go to the beach and then just, you know, la la la, and then the, the no, seals come right to you, or they Belfast, just come to you? I just, I, I rented a house, you know, with a, right. with a yard um, that, that happened to be facing the water. And um, and I was I'm making friends with the seals. You got seal pheromones. <laughs> I got you seal pheromones, dude. They're so <laughs> weird looking. They almost like human like when they pop their little heads out, you know, <laughs> the water. And under those full moons, they're so bright. The full moon, so you could see like it, like some bluish daylight. You know, it's great. Michelle struggled for the spirit of wonder we needed to make this movie. Really <laughs> <laughs> dude, shooting in Titanic <laughs> Studios, we're right next door. They are yeah, loading yeah. coal onto a ship. <laughs> you know. You know what I mean? Oh, with the big, the yeah, big uh, yeah. the cranes, it's, yeah. Blowing Goliath. your nose and everything's black. Like I had, to, <laughs> I had to find my 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 paradise somewhere. See, know? that's my Northern Irish experience. <laughs> <laughs> Not seals. <laughs> Unbelievable. Right, Michelle, that's what about the you? tube in London as well. Exactly <laughs> that's that's so. pretty much, yeah. Like yeah. the disturbing uh, blowing of the nose is that's, yeah. that's the other great experience. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. We, we, you into <laughs> we need to set you free, like the end of Fox and the Hound. At the end of each movie, we need to just drive you out into the woods and set you free. So go. Be happy, Michelle. We shall send up the signal when we need you. <laughs> Thank God we had some really great sets, you know, that were yes. out in the, yeah. in the wilderness. There's, there seems to be, I mean, there, obviously there's a lot of CG in this movie and there's a there's a, a fair amount i'd say of you know green screen for you guys to act mm. against but one of the things i loved about it was you know if you and chris are on horses you're on horses animatron- not- and and the animatronics you got legacy group building creatures from scratch yeah. if the creatures aren't real we'll make them real anyway it's so yeah. beautiful chris pine like- is entirely animatronic is it is that- yeah, <laughs> it's only in that one scene only in that one scene <laughs> Um, and then you had you had Chan who did an amazing job with the art department. I mean, you know, his choice of antiques and uh, the background, like props, like they put thousands and thousands of hours into this stuff, building carriages, mm. you know, yeah, the the boats, the ship that 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 we uh, ride in, um, the sets were extraordinary. If you look really, really close, like the, the artwork, the, you know, the use of, of, of real Dungeons and Dragons world alphabet, like, yeah. you know, oh, wow. all of it is there. And it's like, that's what made it so, so different than that kind of, kind of really flat, completely digitized realm that mm-hmm. we're used to seeing that is, c- could be like, you don't register the space between things. Yeah. And having, you know, this amazing, you know, art department run by Chan mm-hmm. and then this amazing animatronics and, and creature spectacle created mm-hmm. by Legacy really made the movie for me. Made it made it more of a Disneyland experience. And I think that that was, for me, really important yeah. because it made me dive into 
into it, like with that playfulness of the 80s, you know? Yeah, Absolutely. it was a literally tangible world. When we walk into the Underdark, we walked into the Underdark. They built it. Like that big, um, the big fight sequence I had was all on a set that very much existed, that had been built from scratch. And so you're doing so little with your imagination because it, it is physically there. When you're performing with a dragonborn or a tabaxi or an aracocra or any of these weird, wonderful creatures, they're there in front of you giving a performance. Oh, back. dude, the aracocra, you know? I got this video of him sticking his tongue out because that's where he breathes and it has nothing to do with his beak. So right <laughs> under his beak, he could stick his tongue out, what? The, the actor that's in there. And it looks so weird, you know, because out of the feathers of his yeah, neck. Yeah. That's where the guy can see and breathe. Also, the, yeah, the guy is stuck in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, he's stuck yeah. in there. He's, he's a stunt actor, you yeah. know what I mean? Every now and again, you hear, please kill oh, me. Oh, yeah, kill absolutely. Me. And many times with the dragonborn, you know, I mean, yeah. these guys had to like lift it and then underneath they have a fan kind of like fanning the poor guy. So, many like, bosons any... died to do this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know what? To be fair, there was a lot of sweat, blood, and tears that went into this, uh, mm. you know, feature. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> wow, that is amazing. Because yeah, it, it does all feel so tangible. I mean, there's there's a there's a sequence where uh, Regajon, you're on a beach. I won't give too much away, but it's 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 one of my favorite jokes in the movie. Uh, and that beach is just around the corner from where one of my my friends grew up, and she was like, that's, "Oh wow, that's the beach!" Right? She was like, "That's Balintoy." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah was, that was super cool. It was a great day because um, also in terms of you were talking about the landscape, mm -hmm. that was the day when Michelle and I just kind of ran off to go climb the cliffs. Mm, yeah, like, you know how they have like little buggies to ferry actors around uh -huh. and, uh, to keep track of us and keep us in the right place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're not doing that. GPS tracking, <laughs> yeah. yeah. fully up and into the landscape and howling into the wind. That's more so cool. beautiful. Michelle Rodriguez. You were like, ha ha. I mean, I had a cape. I had to find somewhere with a wind to billow the cape. Bow, bow. Uh, it was character work, people. First thing he's going, Reggie Sean and Michelle the on the Zoolander when he's at the top of the mountain. <laughs> the roof, literally on the sheer We have cliffs, no idea where they've gone. Just <laughs> leaning into the wind. Um, <laughs> I think I got pictures of that. Yeah, no, we do. We have got pictures of that. It's good fun. Um, but like, flanked so, by seals. <laughs> <laughs> that Michelle has summoned from the wind. <laughs> <laughs> to me, my seals. <laughs> I have no idea what your question was, sir. Nor do I. Nor do I. Should we start the podcast interview now? <laughs> let's just, all this past is prologue. It's, it's, it's all fine. We'll meet you on the beach. <laughs> the rock. The, the rock. The rock and the, the beach. Um, that is a good example of the improvisational, playful nature of this set, because that came out of Chris Pine taking the mick out of Zank for weeks at a time. Straight line Zank. Straight line Zank became an on-set joke. So he was like, this dude thinks in straight lines, he walks in straight lines. There's, there's no, there, there, there is no breaking the straight line of Zank. And so I kind of, you know, chewed on this in my mind for a little bit. And yeah. it, was, it was in the script that he kind of exits off and we're like, it was kind of a, a, a gag on the hero walking off into the sunset. Mm -hmm. um, and without giving anything away, I decided to play with this gag mm -hmm. when, uh, as I had to do, obstacles came into my path and I decided to do something creative with that. And I think we all appreciate uh, the idea that Chris planted. I appreciate that you could walk in a straight line <laughs> with a straight face. At all times, straight, straight face sink. That's difficult. Is it difficult to make this? It seems I like would sometimes catch him with his lip shaking a little bit. Because <laughs> I could tell he wanted to fucking laugh. But you were the lip shaking. Yeah, he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I caught him breaking. It's like quite a few times because our reactions, to be fair, are pretty it's a, it's cool. the first thing they teach you in acting school, right? It's, what, yeah, straight face acting? Day one, 
Well, straight face acting, <laughs> day two, walk in a straight line, day three, Shakespeare, and then you're done. That's pretty much it. That's, That's pretty it. much it. Um, in fairness, it's the exact opposite of what you're taught when acting. The, the, you, you embrace whatever creative thing is happening on set, and that's why it's so hard not to laugh. The joy of working on this set is that you had a group of ridiculously creative um, actors in this ensemble cast. And so at any given moment, if it's my job to keep a straight face and throw up a joke, mm-hmm. I know full well that Michelle Rodriguez will knock it out of the park. <laughs> Chris Pine will knock it out of the park. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so just knowing it, knowing that I can kind of hold it down because they're going to be so good at this was is one of the most, it's such a home base for an actor. It's such a treat to kind of know that you've got improvisers at that Aww. level. Pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. The, the line, I do not traffic in colloquialisms is going to be... <laughs> I, I mean, that's a t-shirt. That just, I can that almost see that t-shirt. coming out of Jonathan's yeah. mouth like well, th- so that's easily, Jonathan, right? Jonathan. Yeah. That's pure Daily and Goldstein. <laughs> These men are passionate about language and jokes. Yeah, you know, dude. I've never seen two men I had so no idea he was so into... fluent in German. What was Wait, that like? Oh, oh, Jonathan? Yeah. yeah. Jonathan Goldstein's fluent in German. Dude, yeah, absolutely. He gave like an entire... Premiere. Yeah, yeah. He, he studied, uh, I think, German literature in wow, university. Wow, of course he did. Of course right? he did. I'm like, yeah, okay, I get it now. Now I know where it comes from. <laughs> That's a smart East Coast humor. Yeah, you know, it's so good. Again, the good stuff. Yeah, with your book learning. So yeah. good. <laughs> exactly. My word. Okay, I've, I'm talking to him later on. I know literally one phrase in German. I just said it. I have a pen. It's not very useful. Oh, I, I know how to say you have nice eyes and you have a nice ass. Ich liebe deinen Augen. Ich liebe deinen Arsch. <laughs> <laughs> That's about it. Dang. And Schuldigung, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Prost is cheers. Yeah. Yeah. Guten so, Tag. Guten Tag. See, we know more. Come we on, know, you know we more could, words than Should we go to Munich? <laughs> let's, yeah. go, let's go right now. Uh, <laughs> more like Berlin. Yeah. Bergheim, perhaps. <laughs> let's take the show on the road. We'll go in Friday, come out Monday. Yeah, Regan, right, Sean, you'll have to walk in the straight Bring line. Bring the seals. You'll arrive just as we're leaving, but yeah, yeah, it'll, I'll, it'll I'll be fine. Uh, Michelle, I once interviewed uh, Finn Diesel and um, made a, a bit of a Dungeons & Dragons faux pas, because I, I haven't played the game. I, I want to now. But I, I said, did you ever roll the six-sided dice? And he corrected me in front of a room full of people, saying 20-sided dice. So Or died, more technically, I guess. Yeah. So, you know, in all the time you spent with him on the Fast movies. Yeah. Was he your Dungeons and Dragons guru for this? Were you calling him up for? No, I mean to be fair, like Vinza, Vinza, you know, he's a guy who who's been playing since the seventies. You know, he must and be exhausted. I, I know, no, but what I'm saying, like, you know, like I just awake. I just noticed the closet full of books. Uh-huh. You know, when I first met him, he showed me. You know. He, Dungeon, dun, that's Dungeon Master Realm right there. You know right, what I mean? Right, right. You have from the bottom of your closet all the way to the top stacked with Dungeon and Dungeons and Dragons adventure books. That means you're a Dungeon Master. <laughs> and you know what I mean? Like, unless you have a group of people that you're going to invite to a party and all play together and have him at the helm, like, l- l- you know, leading the way, there's really, we're not going to play a two person game. You know, I think, I think wow. most of the last 20 years with me and Vin has been about car movies. <laughs> you know what I mean? We didn't really play. I hadn't played a game of Dungeons and Dragons uh, for 20 years uh, wow. till, till John and Jonathan approached me with the script. So and you did a big just, cast thing. For me, you? it's a rites of passage to show the movie to Vin and to see, be like, hey, you know, what do you think? You know, I'm just like excited to get like his, his POV. He's going to love it. He's I hope yeah. he does. Yeah. Yeah. I think he, he will too. He's sitting there in silence going, well, 
<laughs> not how I would have done it. It'll be, it'll no, be fine. no, I think he's going to, they did such justice to the playfulness of the whole thing. And that's the whole thing is like, you know, to really care, to love the game and, and to just want to tell a good story, mm-hmm. I think is, is, is the core of what <clears throat> any movie or franchise movie should be about. You know, it's like, shouldn't be about the brand. It shouldn't be about the free advertising for 50 years. It should be about what it is to experience those hundreds of thousands or millions of hours that people have spent around the world actually enjoying an adventure. What does that mean? And I think that this movie encapsulates that perfectly. And And I could tell that in the script. And then when meeting John and Jonathan, I could tell that in their passion. Yeah. These oh, are yeah. the types of guys that are like, nah, 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 do that again without New York. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, they just, they know what they want. And I like that. That's that's real leadership. It's a real sense of passion. So um, I was really proud to work on this with them. Amazing. Well, uh, I believe I've, uh, I've got a feeling there's going to be sequels in the not too distant future. So if that happens and you go back to Northern Ireland to shoot, I've got to do a set visit because Michelle, you have to summon the seals. (laughs) That's what has to happen. I swear to God, man, it's just green, man. There's something beautiful about just the land itself. You know, I've always known it about Cork and Dublin, you know, but in Northern Ireland, it's just a testament to the place itself. There's something magical about Ireland itself, whether it's the Northern side or the Southern side, It's, it's a nature thing. Has nothing to do with 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 uh, cities or people and their structures. It's more about the land, and I think it's very magical. This is Michelle Rodriguez's audition for a druid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just, you know, she's she's working hard. When you love when you love the little creatures and you love the grass and you love the mountains, you do. You just do. Things could happen for you. That's <laughs> it. They're always out to me, lucky charms. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Michelle, Rick and Sean, absolute pleasure. Pleasure. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so that was Michelle Rodriguez and Rick and Sean Page, and we'll be having one more pairing from Dungeons and Dragons at the end of the show, Justice Smith and Sophia Lillis. I forgot to mention that two things. So Chris Pine, once he heard it was a podcast, took his shoes off. All right, so then we, we kind of riff on that in the other interviews as well. And we, we very much riff on it in the next one with uh, Justice Smith and Sophia Lillis. But Helen, Michelle Rodriguez said to me when she was shooting in Northern Ireland, she would commune with nature and she would go to the beachfront mm-hmm. and seals would mm-hmm. appear and they would play with her and frolic with her. And they basically, she could summon seals upon command. Now I have, <laughs> uh, fair I'm enough. Sorry, I, I'm I've, sorry, I've got to stop you right there. I've, I've read the most recent rulebook for Dungeons and Dragons and that's absolutely <laughs> not a power assigned to barbarians. <laughs> Druids maybe, possibly a ranger and a push, but definitely not a barbarian. Well, there you go. She, she did it anyway. I think she may have been put up in Belfast Zoo and just no one told her. I've got, I've, I've got a feeling. Oh, seals she everywhere. Been, she may have been exaggerating fractionally, but I you don't, do get seals. I don't know that she was, but I've never seen a seal. Would uh, they not have been selkies? I mean, they might have been. It's hard to tell unless they actually take off their skin and turn into Steady. a human. No, that's how selkies transform. It's part of the legend. You can't just reference the legend and make fun of me for actually. I don't remember what it's people about. being skinned in Song of the Sea. I'm just saying. They, literally, it's a plot point in that. Yeah, it's, it's true. The coat, it's like like the some of the scene meets Predator. It's true. He Oi. is. You are. Anyway, all this talk. Did you, have you ever seen a seal? That's basically what I'm trying to say. Uh, very Jesus. occasionally. Yeah. My 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 uh, school was literally on a cliff by the sea. Um, like we're talking full on Hogwarts, apart from not being very expensive. And uh, it's called Dominican College, Port Stewart. You can look it up. The pictures are really pretty. So you could literally look out the window and sometimes see seals or dolphins. You but say not very often. Hogwarts is not very expensive. But don't you get into it 
by Fertupian Good at Hogwarts Magic. Hogwarts appears to be free, but like it, you know, so I, I guess it was about, exactly like Hogwarts. It's aptitude tested for sure. Yeah. I have questions about how it's funded. How's it funded? Bake um, sales? Galleons. Galleons. <laughs> yeah. Endowments from previous. Uh, previous. Big endowments. Wow. Yeah. That's why I, I, I've heard that. Double door walks that way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Come on. That's not a broomstick. Sexpecto Patronus. <laughs> um. <laughs> anyway, that's not butterbeer. Oh god! Oh come oh, on! No. I'm still thinking come about on. the selkies. All this talk about Hogwarts leads me to Dungeons and Dragons: <laughs> Honor Among Thieves, which is not set in the Wizarding World, uh, although it is set in our Wizarding World. Yes, so, although the member of the party is in fact a sorcerer Jesus rather than a wizard, who so doesn't Christ. have to memorize his spells when resting. Just you know. So is James going to take this one? <laughs> I mean, I wrote the review. No, you do it, me, Helen. Right? You do. It. I don't think anyone needs to hear me talk for nine hours about Dungeons and Dragons. We are doing the sporting special soon, but uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Hell's bells. Yeah, well, this is uh, pretty delightful. I thought uh, I've now seen it twice um, just to get it really fresh in my head, and I did see it with an audience the second time, and it played like gangbusters. So it's not just me, mm-hmm. which I was genuinely worried about at first because I, you know, this film is so me. That I was like, I mean, I like it, but maybe I'm being weird here. But no, I think it's genuinely great. So it comes, of course, uh, from John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, who made Game Night, which we oh. all adore around these parts. Yes. Um, oh, no. Oh, no, he died. Oh, no, he died. And, um, but, uh, <laughs> died, as in, um, when they say die, they mean like a 20 sided die. Indeed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, although if it was only. Yeah, anyway. We should do a D night, by the way. I've been saying James, this. James I have been, been saying, saying this, this for a while. I have the books at home, and I. So this is my great shame is as much as I love D and D, and as much as I know a lot about D and have Well, I D and D once, but I was seven at the time. I have never D and D since, and I am desperate to D and D. You've never D and D. I've never D and D as an adult at all ever. John Nugent. John Nugent in our fucking office has a level nine half elf druid and level I, seven. Is it level seven? He said level he might have seven. gone up. Anyway, and I, I have this thing. I want to do, and this is absolutely true, I want to do a chaotic good paladin, which is unconventional, called Sir Gion Luthar. Because when I interviewed Neil Cross on the Pilot TV podcast, he described Luther as a chaotic good paladin. And I was like, yes, this is my character. This is who I want to play. So anyway, the film... Um... <laughs> Stars. But we should we should do a D and D night, and we, we should, should make it into a podcast. We should. And also, I, that's what we should do. I have I have still unopened and unplayed in my in my uh, in my flat. I still have unopened and unplayed the Evil Dead Two board game, for yeah. which I was a Kickstarter backer uh, as well. It has yeah. to be said, uh-huh. and the Thing board game, mm-hmm. and I haven't played them. Mm-hmm. So okay. we got to do that. I'm too scared of both of those. New podcast but, um, idea. Not, we play board games. Board games are not scary. Helen, oh, well, they're engrossing. Well, we're going to talk about me. Evil Dead Rise in a couple of weeks. Rise. There we go. Talk about how scary that is. But my point is, there's this film. You may remember it. We were talking about it like six or seven months ago. <laughs> I vaguely remember. Dungeons and Dragons. Honor my oh, face. yes, that's right. Yeah. So Chris Pine plays Edgin, who is, as you've haphazardly set up, a sort of bard turned harper turned thief yeah uh, as we meet him he and his barbarian friend holga michelle rodriguez have been locked up in a remote fortress and are trying to figure out a way to get out um spoiler they do uh, in a non-optimal fashion it has to be said um and go about trying to rebuild their lives basically regain custody of his adorable small daughter who's played by chloe, chloe coleman um and uh, and get their share of the treasure that they stole back from forge played by Hugh Grant. It's fair to say things don't go to plan, which leads them to plan a new heist, 
which is the basic spine of the story of this film. The spine of the world, if you will. The spine of the world. Pine spine. The pine of this film. (laughs) Chris Spine. Good God. Anyway, along the way, they um, uh, re-team up with Simon, who is a sorcerer played by Justice Smith, uh, who is There's a game called Simon the Sorcerer. That's nice. Who is deeply insecure in himself, and also with Doric, who's a shapeshifter. What's her technical designation, James? What she's what she's, she's wild shape is what she uses. Thank you. Yeah. And she is also a. I believe she's a, she's a druid. Yeah, she's, she's a halfling. A half she's like, like she's half, a halfling. Half something. Well, no, she's, no, a, she's, sorry, not no, she's a halfling. She's not halfling. She's a tiefling. Sorry, she's my mistake. She's you. a tiefling, which means she's touched by the planes. So they they uh, recruit this team, and the problem that they're all going to have to face is, uh, of course, Daisy Head's Sophia. <laughs> he keeps saying, of course. Like, of course. People are so well-versed in this. Of course, you must remember Daisy you Head. You must remember Daisy Head, daughter of Anthony Head, daughter yeah. of Giles from Buffy. Head, um, move! Chip off the old block here, uh, <laughs> judging by this. And um, and yeah, she is basically a one-woman army who is out to get everybody. So I had immense amounts of fun with this. It delivers on both multiple dungeons and multiple dragons. It does. Which, you know, so that, uh, and honor among thieves. Uh, there are thieves. Tick, tick, tick. John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein think that it doesn't deliver too much on the dungeons front. Really? Spo- spoiler alert for my spoiler a special interview that I did with them. They I think disagree. That, they think they fudged the dungeons somewhat, well, but I dragons, mean, yes. The, the dungeons aren't all underground, which arguably a dungeon mm-hmm. should be, but there are definitely imprisonments, yeah. plural. You know, so I feel like I feel like we can, uh, we so. can yeah. fudge. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go with that. It's okay. There's yeah. some dungeon action. There's some dungeon action. There's some nice little um, uh, shape-shifting and magic use. Uh, it's a bit different from from stuff we've seen before and, and some stuff that's wildly familiar, but that's okay. Uh, sometimes uh, there's all these magnificent, entertaining characters with oodles of chemistry between them, and lots and lots of bits of the film where they just get to hang out and talk about stuff, yeah. which is really nice. So there's a lot of character work, and then just as you're like, okay, enough of the hanging out and talking about stuff, I want something to happen. Then regular John Page turns up as Zenk and <laughs> kicks every everything up a gear, and it's just wonderful. So he has he, he has so big Drax energy in that film, and I love it. Yeah. He does and he doesn't. He does and he doesn't. We I, again, this is something I discussed uh, at length. Cause we're doing a spoiler special for this, and I, I had a long conversation with uh, John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein, uh, who are three for three as directors by now. As far as I'm concerned, their vacation uh, yeah, reboot fun. slash requel is tremendous, and Game Night is for me the greatest American comedy for the last ten years. It's just wonderful. And uh, this is just as good. But I had conversations with them and the producer, Jeremy Latcham, uh, formerly of Marvel. He was one mm-hmm. of the guys, one of the founding producers of the Marvel Studios and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And this feels a lot like those very, very early to midpoint Marvel movies. It has the same vibe. It has the same emphasis on character and fun and interactions. Uh, and then all the other stuff is heaped on top of it. And uh, you could say it's the best Marvel movie in the last year and a half, uh, if you were so inclined. But yeah, I thought it was absolutely terrific. But they they slightly quibble about the Drax thing. There's a, there's there's obvious comparisons in terms of his facility with language. But he says things he understands, whereas Drax would say the same things, yes, but not, not understand, understand them. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with him, yeah. him on that. I mean, the, the only real criticism of this film, I would say, is if you're going to comprise a party of a druid, a sorcerer, a bard and a barbarian, you've only got one tank on the front line. So I think you're going to have fatalities. <laughs> I don't yeah, that was what that. I was thinking for sure. He's um, talking me rapidly out of this D and D night. I don't, I don't know. It's really. no, it's, it's. I loved it. I loved this film. I thought it was lovely, and I think, I think what speaks very well of this film in particular is 
the plot is it's not that it's not plotty like there's actually quite a plot in there but most of the plot is completely fucking pointless because they do a lot of stuff for the sake of doing the stuff which turns out to be not important to the stuff uh, but you don't mind because they're such good company mm. and i think they have loads of fun references to dnd the games the the actual board game so video games the board game and indeed the old animated series if you look out yeah. for it um there's so much fun stuff to pick and up. and there's some heart as well i feel there like it is. really does yeah. deliver a bit of an emotional yeah. punch by the end of it and you know and through it all you have chris pine just like skating along on pure <laughs> charisma you know um just kind of keeping it light and breezy and just having such a lovely touch of ease and and just stresslessness about the whole thing i don't know there's something about his performance here is it's just he is so good he is is tremendous he's he's really he's got a real line in very subtle comic acting Mm. like it's it's very effortless comedy you don't feel like he's not hammering the gags they just sort of flow through him which i think really works well for that character and frankly they all have good comedy chops in this because it's a really funny film and it's a delight to watch i had so much fun with it even when it's being unapologetically stupid and I'm not going to get into plot points but there is a prison break, break sequence which is fucking absurd um, and yeah it's yeah. just it's it's just a joy it is a joy all the way through I had an absolute blast watching this film I really did there's one gag in this movie I think the directors are saying is one of the most expensive gags like just a simple single gag <laughs> that uh, pays off with a beautiful punchline but it, it involves really really expensive effects and really expensive <laughs> CG creatures you'll know it when you see it and they are there for one purpose and one purpose only to set up this punchline. And it's it, it's probably the most expensive single gag I can uh, think of in a movie since the time uh, they flew Martin Sheen and Charlie Sheen out to a river, stuck them on opposing boats and got them to sail past each other in Hot Shots Part 2. Uh, there might be more expensive gags out there. Who knows? That's maybe a good question for the podcast. What's yeah. the most expensive the most gag expensive of all time? Gag. Yeah. As in joke, as in not as in stunt for a movie. Yep. But yeah. Yeah, I love this film. I, I absolutely adored it. I, I As I've said already, I think Game Night is tremendous. And I was slightly worried uh, that this other Game Night movie might might seem run around a little bit. But no, it's it's really, really great. Great character moments. Very, very funny. So I really, really hope that this does well uh, at the box office. I have a feeling it will. And I hope that, I hope that this is the beginning of a of a good franchise mm. yeah, going forward. Trust. Yeah, so we gave this one four stars. And I think that, yeah, absolutely for me, you know, it's absolutely in my top 10 of the year so far, and it's it's pretty, setting a pretty high bar for best blockbuster of the year. But what I what what? I think also is great about this, I think it's a really shrewd move. Even though Dungeons & Dragons is kind of a legacy thing and has a great deal of re- respect, and after Stranger Things, I think it's had a lot more crossover appeal, But and it's quite worthy, and the people who love it really love it. I think taking the comedy route for this was just smart. And not because fantasy is inherently comedy, uh, you know, you, you, sure, you can make fun of it, but it can be serious and it can work. But I think the nature of Dungeons and Dragons is such that it's better, it's better leaning into the fun stuff because it is absurd, but in the best possible way. So I think I think this is smart. And if you only have to look back at the old Dungeons and Dragons film to see how it can be done badly. Yeah, I think there's such a thing as too serious, yeah. and and I think that this is, I mean, this is probably too fast, we'll, too we'll serious. get into <laughs> in the spoiler. But I think there is a danger uh, with some generic fantasy generic through no fault of its own the same way that john carter felt generic just because it followed everything else the screen that had been based on john carter there's an i I think the dungeons and dragons faced the same issue so if they'd gone totally po-faced with it i think they they probably would have yeah i agree run into some problems yeah but this is super fun okay so four stars in for dungeons and dragons honor among thieves 
Next up, where do we want to go? Do we want to go to Tetris or do we want to go to the savior of cinema, Murder Mystery 2? What <laughs> do you think? cinemas. Let's go to Tetris. That's true. The savior of cinema by destroying cinemas. Let's go to Tetris. I mean, I don't want to be a massive blocker. Oh, boy. To, to, to that. Oh, well. With, with this. Oh, boy. Oh, no. You know. So this is Tetris. Yes. Who, who's taking this? James, have you seen I this? I will take this. You've seen this one? I don't want Tetris. to be a Tetramino. Because, because, I don't know what that means. Well, that's what they call the blocks. Oh, is it? Tetraminos. Oh, is it? Okay, yeah. that's interesting. That's exciting. So this is John S. Baird's it is. Tetris. So, But this isn't in the Pixar's style, is it? This isn't a film inspired by the video game, but this is a film inspired by the colossal Barney over the rights to the yes. video game. It is not talking blocks. It is not making lines out of things, uh, at least not that kind of lines. But uh, yeah, this is this is essentially the story of the right to Tetris. This takes place in 1988, and it centers around a man named Hank Rogers, played by Taron Edgerton, and how he became aware of Tetris, saw the potential in Tetris, and decided to get the rights to Tetris initially in Japan, but then obviously looking at the possibility of breaking out all over the world, whether it be arcade, whether it be... You know, well, in and, particular with the Game Boy game, Well, yes, it? and so this is the development that comes along later on that he gets in bed with Nintendo and eventually they reveal that they're going to create the first handheld proper console and it's the Game Boy. Although, frankly, when they show the gameplay of the Game Boy, they take some liberties with the screen resolution and the, you know, ghosting. But let's not let's not get too hung up on that. But he says, don't, don't bundle it with Super Mario World, bundle it with Tetris. Because people would lose their shit. And the idea being there that, you know, whereas, whereas Mario might appear to a younger audience, Tetris would appeal to a broader audience. Adults, children, everyone will want a Game Boy. It's so, a me, a Tetris. It's a me, a Tetris. Uh, now, what this isn't is a film really about video games. What this is is a film about copyright law. So this is essentially boardroom meetings the movie where hank goes to essentially russia soviet russia the soviet union he goes to moscow behind the iron curtain and he tries to negotiate with uh in part the kgb to get the rights to tetris uh there is a man called alexei pajnatov who is the creator of tetris played here by nikita evramov and it's owned by a technology company that is government owned so it's all tied up in the state it's all tied up in communism it's not as simple as i write you a check you give me the rights to tetris so there is a standoff between him and toby jones's character robert stein who may or may not have originally bought the rights robert maxwell turns up and his son kevin as well lots of interested parties all want the rights to tetris and it's essentially negotiations for those rights. And if that sounds really dour and boring, you are not wrong, certainly in terms of the themes of the film. It's also, I should point out, shot in Soviet-era Russia. So it's a very dour, autumnal palette. It's not very visually exciting that way. So what they have done, and frankly, props to John S. Baird for doing this, he, he sort of introduces some visual pizzazz in the form of 8-bit graphics. So you'll see lots of uh, sort of interstitial sequences where they're little 8-bit digital pixel characters doing things. Uh, even when there's at one point, there's a bit of action. There's, there's one action sequence in this film. I won't say what it is. But even that has some, some graphics added to it to give it a little bit of visual dynamism. And I think that that's desperately needed in this. And the other special effect that really, really helps this film is Taron Egerton. Because Tar Taron Egerton does an incredible amount of heavy lifting in this film. He gives Hank Rogers this superhuman amount of energy. He's like a little energizer buddy. He's so enthusiastic. He's really excited. And he brings energy to, frankly, and I can't emphasize this enough, they are legal negotiations around a boardroom, sometimes subtitled, almost always partly in Russian. So 
it's I mean, it's trying to get you to invest in something that it's really hard to care about because on paper, even though it's like this was a game that was hugely popular and the KGB are involved and actually the negotiations were kind of complicated, it's not the stuff I would say that great drama is instantly made of. What? It, it doesn't lend itself to like a Fast and Furious film. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not it's not really there. So I think I think he and the writer Noah Pink did a great job of making this as exciting and engaging as it possibly could be. However, it is still unfortunately a film about contract negotiations. So while I was pretty entertained throughout, and actually it, I never really got bored, I was quite engaged with the characters and I found it all very interesting. It it does sag in places. So I think, you know, much as a Tetris film really should be four stars because it's literally called Tetris, it isn't. It's a three. <laughs> Why should a Tetris film be Because that's stars? what it means. That's what it means. Four. Oh, I yeah. see. Okay. And, it's about, and all the Tetraminos are all four blocks. It's all about right, four okay. lines, four blocks, everything. It's all fours, but this is very much a three-star film, I feel. I think you're very harsh on contract law if you've never <laughs> negotiated one. Can you imagine the excitement, the tension? There is a point. Of where the wording yeah, of that phrase. When they're, when they're arguing about how to define a PC and you're like, this is some fucking high drama here. Yeah. I was genuinely, I was watching it with a video game nerd who found it genuinely stressful um, and had to leave the room at several points because he was worried, I guess, that his childhood would be ruined if, yeah. if Hank didn't get the rights and, you know, couldn't put it on the Game Boy. Um, spoiler, it happened. Spoiler, it happened. But, um, but, but yeah, and he had the same issue about the, uh, the, the graphics. Yeah, I was like, because I, I, I'd never owned a Game Boy. I had an Atari Lynx, but I played the game, which features in this film. But I played the Game Boy, and it blurred like an absolute bastard when he ran along. So it was never as clear as it appears in this. Wow. So, okay. So, you know, anyway, but like, I still did think it sagged in places and had a, had a few pacing issues and, and moments that were less exciting. But, and I was sitting there for for large parts of the more exciting stuff, going, "This feels a little bit." polished in the retelling oh, you know, this oh, feels like 100 hank and 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 the other people who are still alive and still with us who were involved in this have <laughs> have you know told this anecdote over the years and it's gotten more and more exciting as they a tale that grew in the this. telling yes very um, much so but at the same time i was genuinely which bits, amazed. I think, which, which bits in particular anything that you want to say it's a you know it's, it's all it's all historical record well it, it it feels i would be very interested how closely this sort of hues to the historical yeah, fact. some of the KGB stuff. Yeah, it feels oh, okay. a bit like, did that happen? Did I don't think it did. However, I think you are carried along by Taron Edgerton's charm. You are. He's, he's lovely. And his moustache. And his moustache. And I think he, he does have a really nice um, relationship with, with Alexei, with uh, Nikita Efremov's mm, character. A bromance. You know, sort of, yeah, there is a sort of very tentative, very kind of guarded kind of friendship that builds there, which which I quite enjoyed as well. So, um, so yeah, I, I liked it. Um, uh, but yeah, I'd probably go three stars as well. Yeah. I would have liked to have liked it more, if that makes sense. Fair enough. But I didn't. All right. Sorry. That's all right. I didn't make the film. <laughs> or did I? <gasps> well, then, three stars. Three stars, then, for Tetris. Reminds me of a great joke on Twitter whenever the film was first announced. It took ages to make the to make this movie because every time they finished a line, it disappeared. Right. So. Good line. Good line. Uh, next up. The saviour of cinema and cinemas and everything to do with cinema and cinemas. Murder Mystery 2. It is the return of Nick and Audrey Spitz. Ooh. Jennifer Aniston, Adam Sandler. They are back, back, back for more after having saved the day in the last movie. Helen, you're looking at me yeah. as if you do not agree with anything I've just said. What, me? Don't agree with anything you've just said? Ah. Uh... It's definitely a sequel to Murder Mystery 1. Hooray! So, you know, you got that much right. 
This time, uh, basically, uh, Nick and Audrey have decided to build on their success in the first film, build on the fame that they garnered from that, and make themselves private detectives. But they've been struggling to get things going and, and really um, make a living doing that. So there's, they're under a bit of stress when they're called by an old friend um, who is uh, the Maharaja. He's simply known as the Maharaja, played by a deal actor. And uh, he invites them to his wedding that weekend. Now, I haven't married a billionaire, but I feel like they probably give you a little bit more notice of their <laughs> wedding. Um, Not that they're late dropouts and they're they're late. I guess so. He is a bit. He is a bit. Uh, he is a bit crazy, a bit wacky, a bit wild. So anyway, they invite. Uh, he invites them to his wedding uh, to Melanie Laurent that weekend. They head off uh, to to attend, and wouldn't you know, things don't go according to plan. And no. Wouldn't you also know? That there is another crime to be solved. No, yeah. a murder. Which is a real shame because they get to this incredibly idyllic wedding, and I was just like, "Well, I'm I'm happy here for the next week. Like, j- let's just stay here." Um, this makes the shotgun wedding wedding look like you know a piece of trash. Um, and then they immediately leave to go off to do something else in another place for reasons. Anyway, um. Good cast around them. You've got Mark Strong. You've got the aforementioned Melanie Laurent. You've got Jodie Turner-Smith, John Canny. I I just didn't think it was very good. Is my problem? Oh, I don't. I didn't me. find them very Helen. funny. They're okay, obviously. I mean, they can do this stuff in their sleep. They may well have been doing so. Helen, but, like it's like it. It's a film that happened in front of my eyes. You know, where what, what do you want me to say? Is your sense of comedy? Where is where your is sense, sense of, of acutely drawn? wonderfully observed characters. Where is there? This is the film The Glass Onion wanted to be. Is it though? Is it though? We all know it. <laughs> you just have to admit it to yourselves. Good God. This film is the year's first six-star cinematic entertainment. I loved every second of it. Did I don't you, believe you. Did you actually Be don't? honest. You will never know what I really think. <laughs> <laughs> of this movie the it's, not, fell from his it's not as good as the first one which is to say it's only the fourth greatest movie ever made no it's not as good as the first <sighs> one is it there, there's a sense of of going through the motions a little bit with the characters but I do enjoy their interactions Sadler and Aniston mm. they're fun it's a fun dynamic this kind of put upon slightly jaded couple who know each other intimately and love each other intimately but really piss each other off at the same time that's a nice little dynamic for them both to play they're both hapless in a way they're both idiots in a way uh, but I have to say I thought the the cast around them the last cast in the, in the first movie was an incredible cast like it's just this wealth this embarrassment of riches uh, and a really 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 sharply drawn characters and actually a decent murder mystery plot and I thought that was maybe lacking a little bit the cast here doesn't quite match up as great as everyone is Helen's mentioned everyone's really really funny but the cast didn't stack up the first movie not quite a star as the first one Uh, directed by Jeremy Garlick and um, who who does not have a huge track record really but he repels vampires so that's so he's got that going for him he does Uh, so a few weeks ago on the podcast a few months ago I was talking about the prospect of doing an Adam Sandler ranking one these days now we'll never do that because I can't find frankly three other people who like hmm. Adam Sandler enough uh, including was, Adam Sandler I was looking at my uh, I, I have my I have my Adam Sandler top 10 do you want to hear it? no okay if Punch Drunk Love is lower than I'm going to be really generous well, and give surely you two, it's uncut gems then Punch Drunk Love and then everything else yeah how dare you you disgust me you sicken me okay go for it 
Uh, all right, here we go. At number 10, it's That's My Boy. At number nine, it's Airheads. At number Good eight, God. it's The Mayor with Stories. At number seven, oh, that's far too low. I'm going to put that up here. <laughs> okay. You're adjusting on the fly. Sorry, I am ad- <laughs> I'm adjusting on the fly. At number seven, it's Murder Mystery. What? At number six, it's Uncut Gems. What? At number five, at number five, it's Hustle. At number four, it's Punch Drunk Love. Are you At number three, it's You Don't Mess With The Sohan. Get out. At Get number out. two, it's Happy Gilmore. That's and okay. at number one, it's The Wedding Singer. There you go. Oh, I'd forgotten about The Wedding Singer. The, the Wedding, wedding Singer wedding I actually do like. great, but it's not better than Punch Drunk Love. It is Absolutely. better than Punch no, Drunk Love. No, it's not. It's not. It so is. It's, it's Uncut Gems, then it's Punch Drunk Love, then it's The Wedding Singer, then it's Happy Gilmore, and then everything else is just a great big bucket of shit after that. Good lord. Wow. Some of those others you mentioned were all right. Yeah. Airheads. Airheads. Your, I mean, your beloved got, Brenton yeah, Fraser. My beloved Oscar winning. Thank you, Brenton Fraser. That's right. Fraser, so. He is. Fraser. He is. Whichever. You are. Mispronouncing H's and Fraser this week. Uh, anyway. Uh, mm. uh, all right. Three stars then. I, I don't, actually, I don't know. I don't know what we've given this because we haven't gotten the official Empire review. It feels like a two star. It feels like a two yeah. star. Do you think? I'm giving it two stars. Personally. <laughs> Me See, personally. Someone in this room may have been commissioned to write a review of the film, but then never got around to writing it. Yeah, I wonder who that was. I wonder who that would be. It doesn't sound like me. But review mystery it's... two. <laughs> who was it? Never Where commissioned me. Where is the me. missing review? Never commissioned me to write an Adam Sandler review because I'll just be. I'll just go five. I'll go ridiculous six. Five pixels. Five. And then we. That's... And then we, and then you negotiate me down from there. That's offensive on just so many levels. You go, Chris. Have you seen the you film? And I go, Spanglish. no. Did, was that on Spanglish five. Funny people five. Okay. Little Nicky five. Oh, little Nicky. Oh, <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> little, 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 little Nicky has a tremendously funny gag where they go, "Hey, it's Henry Winkler," uh, and then attacked by bees, and then bees attack Henry Winkler. I mean, look, Jack and Jill has one funny gag, but that doesn't make it a good film. Mr. Deeds has the gag where uh, Steve Buscemi says, "I always loved the Beach Boys," and it destroyed me. Anyway, five stars then for Murder Mystery Two. Uh, also out this week is God's Creatures, which is a slow-burning uh, Irish set drama um, from Anna Rose Holmer and Sailor Davis. It is kind of set in a tiny uh, Irish fi- fishing village and has Emily Watson living a quiet life that's basically thrown straight to hell when her son Brian, played by Paul Mescal, returns from his time in Australia and uh, sets her life on a crash course for nastiness, basically. Look, it's it's pretty uh, understated, you know, dark drama, if that's your thing. I didn't think it was a great example of that. And I think it was actually guilty of some of the stuff that people accused uh, Banshees of Inisherin of, namely being a little bit reductive of uh, of Ireland, you know, and sort of um, acting like everybody's a country bumpkin. Stuck Lucky John's all over the place. Well, it's just like, you know, it's this one tiny fishing village, which is a thing that exists, of course, but like it's it, there's not a scene in a... Like, there's not a, a supermarket, there's not a nearby town that anybody goes to, there's no sense of an outside world or anything mm. greater than themselves. And, selkies? And no selkies. So it just, <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't love it. I thought it was great performances, but uh, the, the film itself was a little bit too bleak for me. So, yeah, I didn't I didn't love that. What do we give it? What do we give it? Uh, we give it three stars. Three stars. Yeah. Three stars then for God's Creatures. And the other one oh, I wanted to more. mention is The Night of the Twelfth, which is a French true oh, crime you've got drama. Oh, you have me a twelfth. Yeah. Oh my God! Then you have to respect the way I say H. All right. I'm not anyway, sure I do. Um, <laughs> this is a French true crime drama set in Grenoble after the appalling, awful death of a young woman 
um, the uh, the team of police officers uh, turn up to try and solve the case, and we are told in the opening crawl of the film mm. that this is based on an unsolved case. Um, so it's really a procedural uh, with no kind of payoff, if you like. Um, brilliantly, really brilliantly done, though, and and. I kept thinking, oh, this one, this this is going to solve it. This next bit is going to solve it. They've they've misled me with the opening, because there are a lot of suspects, and it's really basically about misogyny because that is bad. So anyway, that that got four stars from four you. Stars. Four from of your me. four Helen shaped stars. Four Helen shaped stars. It's been a good week for Helen reviews. What can yeah. I tell you? There we go. Kerching taking that all the way to the bank. Uh, I'm going to mention really quickly Breaking, which uh, John Berg oh, was yes. a guest on last week's show. Uh, I don't think you guys have seen Breaking. It's really good. Um, it is a story about a true story about a veteran uh, soldier who is basically cut off in terms of his benefits and is so enraged by this um, you know, because there is a, a lot of discussion about whether he should have been cut off from his benefits uh, because he was struggling with mental health problems and whatnot uh, that he goes to essentially not rob a bank but basically make a demonstration at a bank by pretending that he has a bomb and uh, it becomes a kind of dog day afternoon for the modern age and there's a media circus that surrounds the, the bank very very quickly and a group of cops and a SWAT team and uh, it is a very very tense situation that is anchored by this brilliant performance from, from Boyega filled with righteous anger and and, and anger that uh, comes from other places as well um, it's a really really nuanced performance from him uh, Michael Kenneth Williams is in it as well as one of the cops trying to talk him down and talk him out uh, and the likes of Connie Britton is in it also it's a really I thought it was really really good Um very very powerful very very moving film that might make you angry with the state of the world but then again hey what won't we have the world's richest man asking to pay £7.99 to have a white tick with a blue background hmm. that does make you mad I don't know what will uh, so many bigger things so many bigger so things many bigger I'm furious things. about the whole thing I, anyone who asks anyone to part with money for a service is just uh, barking up the wrong tree if you ask me so if you want to subscribe <laughs> to the Empire Podcast spoiler specials we have tons of stuff coming your way uh, over the next few weeks. This week alone saw the spoiler specials for Scream 6 and the latest Mandalorian chapter go up. Next week we're going to see 65, John Wick chapter 4. we got Shazam, Fury of the Gods. we got Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. We'll have upcoming spoiler specials for the likes of Evil Dead Rise. Right. There we go. Didn't think he was listening, but he was. Uh, and many, 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 many more besides. So uh, $2.99 a month, uh, empire.supportingcast.fm or supportingcast.empire.fm. One of the two. Try them both. One of them will work. And uh, sign up. Jimbo. Hi. Notice how, how I resisted the temptation to just barrel in there this and the, say that you can subscribe to Planet Plus for uh, just one ninety nine a month. You know, I set you up. I did set yeah, you up. You did. You this did. is the uh, first Emperor podcast in a long time where the recording time is ticked into two hours. So I think we need to bring this bad boy to, uh, yeah, to an let's end. let's do that. But, uh, but there you go. Breaking is really, really good. Subscribe to the Empire Podcast Sporter Special. Subscribe to Pilot Plus if that is indeed your bag. <laughs> if it is, then I've got a Twitter blue uh, membership <laughs> and a bridge to sell you as well. Uh, anyway, that is it for this week's Emperor Podcast. Say for one thing, we have another interview with yet another Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves pairing and this time it's Justice Smith and Sophia Lillis so he is the sorcerer Simon uh, she is the tiefling, tiefling uh, wild shape Doric and uh, their dynamic is really really fun and interesting and uh, 
shoes are discarded in the making of this interview. That's okay. all I'm going to say. So yeah, a lot of fun. Justice Smith and Sophia Lillis, please enjoy. Delighted to be joined on the Empire Podcast by Sophia Lillis and Justice Smith. How are you both? We're good. How are you? We both have one shoe off. You both got one shoe off and I feel frankly left out. Fuck it, I'm doing it. Oh, okay. <laughs> there we go. Yes. There oh, you go. got a cool size too. I have, I have. It's, there we go. Uh, I should explain. Chris Pine took his shoes off when he realized it was just a podcast because he has contempt for the form, I guess. So he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't want to be fully dressed for a podcast. <laughs> and then you guys in solidarity did the same as well. But you only took one shoe off, Sophia. Why? Why? Has he done other podcasts? Chris? Yeah. You're dodging the question. No, it just makes me wonder <laughs> what other liberties he says. <laughs> what, else, um, what else is he prepared to do? Yeah. yeah. He knows he's not being filmed. Yeah. These are the big, big questions. Big why questions. only one shoe? Why only one shoe? Oh, I, I got lazy. <laughs> it was too much of a stretch <laughs> to lay down and do the second one. Well, she has her legs crossed, um, yeah. so she, it would take a lot of work to remove the top leg. Mm-hmm. To then take the shoe off the bottom. I think leg. he's thought about this too much. <laughs> yeah, I'm obsessed with this. this is the next 15 minutes, we're just gonna be talking about this. Why you just took off one shoe? This is I'm gonna it be. It was tighter than the other one. Okay. <laughs> there we go. Anyways. And just as you did it, yours in, in solidarity. Yes, I, I kind of have a half shoe on, half shoe off uh-huh. thing going on. Just because I don't want you to think that I have contempt for the form. <laughs> oh, believe me. The podcast form. I've been doing the podcast for 11 years. I have nothing but contempt for the form. <laughs> <laughs> I am so jaded and cynical. Uh, so but... Sophia. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm going to slip this on because you know what? I think having one shoe off is draining my interviewing skills. <laughs> I think you're yeah. doing quite I'm well, gonna, actually. I'm going to be clear-minded the second I put this on. <laughs> ah, Dungeons and Dragons. Nice. About- <laughs> there it is. <laughs> there yeah. we go. Straight into segue mode. Right, right in front of our eyes. What too. a smooth segue. Oh. <laughs> what first attracted you to the project? Uh, <laughs> the magic of it all. The, the magic of the movies. The no. The magic of just just the, the, magic, of the magic. magic. The literal magic. Getting to do magic. I just, think every just it, there's no literal magic. It's all special effects, mate. <laughs> what, 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 no, that's not true. It's a lot what? of practical effects too. Okay. Um, and you know. As a child, you always test out your magic abilities by gesturing vaguely towards somebody and expecting something to happen, and it never does. But in this, I actually had a bunch of stunt guys react to my vague gestures, and that made me feel really powerful. So that was a big draw for me. Also, doing the accent. I really wanted to do the accent because I knew I could do it. And uh, And that's a magic trick. That is is a magic trick. Very good accent because it's a very specific act as well you're not just doing cut glass you're not just doing what Hugh Grant does and then just copy his voice you're doing something very specific where where was that accent from you know I'm not really good with references like the accent just came from within my soul I mean I I've listened to a lot of don't scoff at me (laughs) Sophia let me finish it's not gonna sound as pretentious uh, as it listen to the recording I didn't scoff (laughs) (laughs) run it back run the recording back (laughs) you scoffed there's a very silent computer in hands no but yeah exactly (laughs) but uh no I I obviously uh have listened to the accent um a lot and and like my biggest uh reference point were was the Harry Potter movies because they were incredibly popular in America but you know and and they, here they, too and here too and, a, right they, they built the thing and they always say when you do an accent you should do it from the bottom of your feet like the your accent should be 
your whole body, your whole character is the accent. It's not just right. like a voice that you're doing. Um, and so I wasn't like it, it wouldn't have helped me to like imitate someone. I had to just put myself in that position. If I was born in England, what would I sound like? Obviously, I would sound similar to other English people, but I would also have a, a specific vocal quality. It wouldn't just be the exact same. Like it wouldn't be an impression. Yeah. Sophia, did, you know, you obviously didn't have the, the, the same accent to delve into in this one, but I was wondering if that's why you took the shoe off in order to understand if the accent starts from the, from the, the shoe the, up. The, <laughs> the foot up, sorry. The not foot, the shoe the up. The bottom, the sole of the, the foot. bottom of the, yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, uh, what was the question? Uh, there wasn't one, actually, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> you've got me. You've, you, you've absolutely nailed me there. Uh, no, in terms, of, in terms of getting into, into Doric's skin and, and oh, what did walking I a mile in her shoes. Yeah, where did you start? The animal documentaries. I read the script. That's a good start. <laughs> it's a good, it's a solid, good, really solid good start. start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, read the script, did an interview with the directors, um, figured out later I got the role. Um, so I did play Dungeons and Dragons before. So the, you know, the references and everything. Before, before, before. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Made sense okay. to me. It made sense to me. So I was like, ah, yay, Dungeons and Dragons. Cool. That's cool. I'm getting into it. And so um, I did some research with Dungeons and Dragons. I, I talked a little bit about it and um, with some friends of mine and they, you know, we, we talked about it together and um, uh, she turns into animals. That's the thing that she does. So um, watched animal documentaries and try to get into the, the role of the, the, you know, animal, a lot of animal movements and stuff. I didn't know. I wasn't quite sure if I was gonna be the animals, like in the like the green scoot suit and everything okay, yeah, with yeah, the, yeah. the dots. So I was like, huh. um, I should know how to do that. I mean, I've done that once before, kind of, uh, for it too, but that was pretty much it. And I don't think it's slightly different. What the green screen thing? Yeah, it was the, like the, a, the, the suit, the, the kind of a suit. Capture. I had like balls oh, on yeah. me and whatnot, yeah, like yeah, a yeah. dots on my face and yeah, yeah. a contraption on my body. I always quote her line from that movie back to her because I think it's very funny and also um, completely opposite to Sophia's personality. She would never say something like she said in that movie. Which is? She said, you, uh, you think I would like someone as fat and disgusting as you? Yeah, I do Because she that. was Pennywise. She's like. That was my line. Yeah. I, t I tell that to Jeremy. Poor Jeremy. Poor Jeremy. <laughs> How's he doing? The way she said it, I was like. I was, it was so um, terrifying and cruel. Mm. And she's not like that in real life. No, I'm not cruel at all. I'm the nicest person, kindest, uh, put heart, okay. on, heart on my sleeve. <laughs> no. I. <laughs> <laughs> wow, the, the speed with which you said no there was. Because she's, she's not cruel, but she's, yeah. she is, uh, she Bubbly. will cut you with, with wit. What? No, wit. With, with sard, sardonism. Oh. <laughs> with irony mm. uh, there's a line about irony in the film that I can't quite remember but it's, it's yes I say apt. yeah you do yeah I, I was being yeah. ironic to Zenk yes mm -hmm. and, and Zenk says irony is a blade who cuts the he who wields, wields it, it quite <laughs> who, he who wields, wields it most it 
Well, I so when you say you read severely. the script, <laughs> <laughs> was it a skim read? Or we shot this two years ago. I, I read it. I memorized my lines before anyone else. Oh, okay. Because oh, you know, Sophia have... remembered the entire script before we even started shooting, which was incredibly impressive and uh, completely unnecessary. I just I remembered the beginning of the script completely, and then. I got bored and I was like, I just going to memorize my lines. I mean, why am I doing this? I don't need to know their lines. You ended up, you, you, whenever you do a thing, you always end up figuring out, you know, everyone else's lines towards the end. Mm-hmm. And then you forget everything about yeah. the whole entire project. Mm-hmm. And then you have to talk about it two years later. And you have to pre- <laughs> pretend that you remember everything in, in vivid, vivid detail. Um, That's actually my next question. Can you please describe everything that happened on this movie yes. in vivid, vivid okay. detail? Okay. <laughs> I can absolutely one hundred percent. Day one, I arrived. Um, uh, uh, I actually, she's like, I don't want to do that. Don't arrive. Shots are done. No, no, I was, so I was, was going to see where we were going with this. Day two, day two. I, I arrived. I was in a. We were band, in quarantine for the first. Band. Oh right, yeah, that yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, I remember meeting you for the first time. We took, we took, me and Sophia took walks on the beach. We took walks on the beach. Ireland. Uh, and it was nice, and we got to know each other through that um, and talk about our characters a bit and their relationship. Okay, well, I've got to ask you something about, about shooting in Northern Ireland, because I'm from there, and I just interviewed Michelle, who said that she would take long walks and she would go and commune with nature, and <laughs> seals would come up and visit her. They'd pop their heads up and they'd, they'd visit her. Excuse me? Now, I'm from Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. That's never happened to me. No. Yeah. Ever. Uh, Michelle has a thing with animals. It, right. Like, I think she can summon them no, like a no, Disney princess. No, I'm sorry. Seals? Like seals. Michelle like can summon sea creatures, I think, <laughs> like Aquaman. Has she told you this before? You didn't react. She talked about the seals before, yeah. I um, mean, it's incredibly imp- – like, I don't know why they're going to see her specifically. Where was she? She's connected to nature. I like – I. She's I, more of a druid than you are. I was in Banger. I was like – not Banger. I was in uh, – yeah, I was in Banger. Banger, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was near the water. I used to holiday there when I was a lad. I didn't, I didn't see any sea creatures. There's no sea creatures, yeah. No. I was in I, the I was in the water. I, the I did that, area. like, morning dip okay. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Freezing, Freezing cold waters, <laughs> I'm guessing. Dumb idea, but I yeah. did it anyways. <laughs> it was a, I think it was the last week I was there. I was like, I got to get this done before I leave. And so I did it, and it was... Just so you can say you could do it, take it off the old bucket yeah. list. One of the funniest things about Ireland that I remember is that um, I was staying in the Titanic quarter, I think it's what it's called. Yes, that's yeah. correct. Yeah. And, and I was like, why would you guys be um, so proud of this ship that notoriously sank? Mm-hmm. And I was in an Uber and I said that to the guy and he said, well, it worked fine when it left, <laughs> when it left us, and then it went to uh, England, right after that. Yeah, and he's like, and then all of a sudden, they it didn't work. I do, I just love the the pride in 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 something that ended um, disastrously. <laughs> uh, it's it's really cool. That's really funny. Um, so I've got a, just a couple of minutes left. I've got to ask you about. So Sophia, you've played D and D beforehand. Before, well, oh now you're now you're now I don't don't know what to believe. I did. I played a bit in high school. Okay. I was in high school and I got into D and D. I listened to the podcasts and whatnot. And right. I was like, this is something I did. Want you have to contempt do. for the form? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I I tried to start a D and D club and oh and right for two years and um did not work um and then I left. 
to uh, spite. And I went to a different high school. Uh, I, I was in New York, so I can take this up, you know. Uh, okay, so gotcha. it was like a, um, I forget how long. It was like, a, um, it doesn't matter. Um, but I, I immediately as I started in the new school, they started a D&D club. So I, um, every, I, I didn't have a lot of credits left. This is boring. Story. I'm no, no, no. Uh, so, <laughs> but basically, you had you had form on your side. You had history on your side when you came to shoot this movie. Whereas yeah, yeah. Justice, were you a a noob? I was a noob. I didn't know. I didn't know anything about it. I knew what it was, and I knew that it was um, a, a really popular game. And I, I'd always wanted to play it, but I didn't really have any friends to play with. Um, oh man! And I, yeah, but I'm happy that I've now I've gotten to play. We played as a cast. And it was a real bonding experience, and I saw how... Who's the best? Who's the best at the game? Yeah. You know, I think it's hard to, like, qualify being, like, good at... I mean, this is what somebody who is a loser says. (laughs) (laughs) How do you qualify, like, you're a good D&D player? Because it really is, like, Mm, you can do anything. That's true. I guess guess it's it's, um, knowing... Like strategy, like strategy, strategy, thinking on your feet, uh, thinking of like a really creative responses, because it's actually that's the the most powerful thing you can really do, because if you think of a really cool thing to do in D&D and you're like, uh, the DM will be like, oh, that's awesome. Right. Will I allow you to do that? Right. And then. If it's cool enough, they'll they'll say, "Yeah, I, I have to let that happen." I mean, like, how could I not? You know. So it's just so. about impressing the DM. Yeah, pretty much. Amazing. Well, guys, um, I'm going to wrap up now. Uh, I have to say, I had contempt for the for the former podcasts coming into this, but you have rekindled my love. Yes. Oh wow! Beautiful. Thank you so much, indeed. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Okay, so that was Justice Smith and Sophia Lillis, and that is it for this week's Empire Podcast. Thank you to Scott Adkins for being our guest in the studio for the first, uh, it seems like four hours of the podcast, but <laughs> as we tick into our fifth day, it is time to bring this to a close. Join us next week for more film-related fun, where we'll be joined by... <laughs> I've done it again. If we were in D&D, uh, I think my power would be overbooking. <laughs> overbooking, because next week we're joined by... Oh, Jesus Christ. We're joined by Chris Pratt and Charlie Day, a.k.a. Mario and Luigi from the Super Mario Brothers Okey movie. Okie dokie. Okay, it's a me, Chris Pratt. Uh, we are joined by Guy Ritchie and Jason Statham, director and star of the long-delayed Operation Fortune, Ruse de Guerre. We are... Mon Dieu. Mon Dieu. Uh, what else is out next week? We're joined by Russell Crowe. What? Star of the Pope's Exorcist. And if you don't like that, you can take it up with his boss, the Pope. And there's one other one. Who? What else is out next week? What else is out next week? Air. Air, that's right. AKA, we bought a shoe. <laughs> we were joined by the stars of We Bought a Shoe, Matt Damon and Marlon Wayans. Jesus H. Christ, that is a packed dance card. We've nobody for the week after. <laughs> Would anyone like to be in the show that's, that's out April 14th? Anybody? Anybody at all? Anyway, until then, until we meet again, until that auspicious occasion, it is time to say goodbye to my two colleagues of such lethal cunning, James Dyer. Goodbye. Goodbye.
What's on the Pilot TV podcast this week, James? Uh, oh, we've got Jack Farthing on to talk about uh, rain dogs. We're doing Grease, Rise of the Pink Ladies for reasons. It's goodbye from Helen O'Hara, <laughs> our geek queen. Hello. Hello. Goodbye, Helen. Yeah, goodbye. He's broken week, me. So, but, yeah. what, oh, what are you going to be doing? What are you doing? I'm, I'm running 10 half marathons in 10 days. 10 half marathons in 10 days. All running right. is probably a strong word. Marathon woman. Yeah. Uh, and then you're back next week because we're doing our live show at Star Wars Celebration, which I, I should have mentioned up top. I will be along to that on April 8th. We will be there. April in 8th. The Holonet News Stage. We're going to be at the EXL in London uh, on the stage doing a podcast about Return of the Jedi and its 40th anniversary. It's going to be amazing. You do not have to buy tickets for that. If you are a ticket holder for Star Wars Celebration, you can just rock up. So we would love to see as many of you there as we possibly can. It's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, anyway, that's it. That's enough for me. I'm off to somehow edit this behemoth into a listenable shape. Wish Hurrah. me luck. And fit in John Wick Chapter 4 along the way. Yikes. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye.